crack another one open what's up babies welcome back to the draft house this is mount Draftmore. you know what it is i'm ben jamming and today i'm joined by the regulars you know he's from st louis where the cahokia were something prominent the people's champion dylan what is good ah! and from the snowy peaks of snoqualmie even in the summer where that cold freeze is meeting ocean breeze, Mr. Franchise himself, Matty Ice. What's up? And back again from the California sunshine, where the salty sea and sand becomes one with the body, the blonde tan man himself, Chase, is back in the building. What's good? Today, we are drafting sports programs. We are building our own college sports program. Special thanks to our sponsors today, Willie Cray's Pictures and Adult College Finder. Y'all... That's the draft. Let's get this shit started. Roll the dice, Chase. It's right in front of you. All right, let's see what we get. Cue the dice music. A four. Ooh. Wow. Chase rolls a, a, an amazing four. I think that might be my position in this draft. <laughs> oh, it might be. 15. We're, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we shall see. Here we go. 23. Oh, my, oh my God. God. All right, let's see. Come on, Bessie. 21. All right. Wait. We'll wrap around. I was 23. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. So we're doing Ben, Dylan, Matt, chasing the wraparound. All right. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Round one. This is Disney, uh, Disney songs volume two all over again. But I'm gonna try my damnedest. Oh no! Not to take ten minutes to uh, get this one off my chest. Oh I god! I assure you. Is there a McDonald's pick? And oh, Matt, let the listeners know you came up with the draft. So I'll let you like sell them on what the draft is specifically. Yeah. So the whole idea here is. We are creating a hypothetical university that excels at everything. So what are four sports programs from around the country at different schools that just kick ass? So you have to draft one college football team, one college basketball team, and then you get two choices of different sports from different universities that just happen to kick ass at those things. So the whole objective here is is my school going to have the four programs that are just amazing above water above everything else like this is like the wish list like if you were building a school you'd want this team from this university this team from that university you get all their history and but you also come with what they're doing presently so you have to factor that into the equation as well okay very smooth oh yeah i like that description you know what netflix should hire you to make their netflix descriptions you know, I think you've I would got be this. Opposed. Netflix, shout out, give us a sponsorship. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Ben's doing some math here. I am trying to do a little math. Okay. <sighs> this is stupid. So, and, and you told them which ones we have to pick? You have to pick a college football team and a college basketball team. Okay. First pick, I would reason that there is a McDonald's pick, especially on the football side. Like, we hear, especially currently, like, as long as I can remember, everybody knows Alabama. Alabama Crimson Tide. That football program is the best football program. It has the highest winning percentage all time, 73%. It's it's actually tied, it's, sorry, 
I lied. Ohio State Buckeyes have the highest winning percentage at 73.15%. And Alabama is 73.10%. Okay, so their winning percentage overall all time, they're number two. But national championships, unrivaled. Oh, it's nuts. Unrivaled. 18 championships. Let's count those again. 25, 26, 30, 34, 41, 61, 64, 65, 73, 78, 79, 92, 09, 11, 12, 15, 17, 20. 18 championships. Number one, Ohio State Buckeyes. How many was that in the last decade? I mean, just. Oh, in the last. um, Six? They've been super dominant. So if, if we're doing decade proper 2012 to now, four. But if we're doing like the Saban run, I believe 09 on, 09, 11, 12, 15, 17, 20. Six national championships Jeez, please, in just under 13 years. I mean, that's what you said. 50 per- six of 18? Yeah. That's 33. That's one third. And that's they've, won half, they've won like half of the championships in the last... 13 and years. That's not even counting how many times have they been in the national championship right. over the last like 10 to 15 years. Dude, and if we're talking about sports programs that generate revenue for their college, the king. they generate more money yeah. than anyone. It's not even. They have more money in the Alabama football program than in, in some like Fortune 500 companies. That's like, wild. It's, it's stupid how much money they make. Nick Saban is the highest paid coach of all college coaches. Yeah. Period. But anyways, I was talking about Ohio State because some would reason like, oh, that's the best program. Nah, man. They've only got three, six, seven, eight national championships all time. Dating back to 1890 when the school was first established and the, and the program was first established. So eat your heart out, Ohio State. It's all about the Crimson Tide. Nice. And I don't want to just boost Ben's team to boost Ben's team, but in his team's defense, like versus Ohio State, Ohio State, at least recently, they have pretty poor turnover in the NFL leading on from their program. Because, I mean, what really makes a program great, in my opinion, is if they're like developing professionals, especially in basketball and uh, football, because, you know, it that shows your legacy, you know, better than just if you have a great college athlete. And there's three quarterbacks in the NFL, three starting quarterbacks are all from the University of Alabama. You got Tua, Jalen Hurts, and Mac Jones. And they literally were in the locker room together three years ago, or four or five years ago together, like all three of them. Like, that's pretty insane that you go from your first string, second string, and third string quarterbacks to them being starting professional athletes. I, go, oh, I think that yeah. goes to show kind of how good of a program they have. I mean, just in, 2000, uh, 20, in the 2021 draft, they had six first-round picks. Nuts. There's only 32 picks. Dude, that's insane. Yeah, that's, that's almost a fourth of the picks. Since, <laughs> since, Nick Saban, since, since Nick Saban has been at Alabama, 44 first-round picks. That's over, it's like a round and a half, Dude, basically, of just Alabama players. That's insanity. That's nuts. And then in their school's history, 391 NFL players. Good. Wow. wow. They're just cranking out dudes. The dude factory. Yeah, they're special. Something special. It had to go first. I agree. Like that. I, that's the that's the top of the mountain. Yeah. Yep. For for football. For football. Like, I think yeah. they're different sports, obviously, but for yeah. football wise, that is the top of the mountain. Yeah, quite I agree. quite dominant. With yeah. the first pick, I mean, I had to take something. Yeah. Because there's going to be great programs that go that I really want. But if you have the first, you have to have something that at least you can hang your hat on to say like, okay. What's synonymous with college football? Alabama. Alabama. Absolutely. I mean, dude, it that's Alabama football is bigger in the South than NFL football. Oh yeah. 
Alabama doesn't have a professional team. They don't need one. Nope. Yeah, I, I think uh, going to a football game at, like, one of those top D1 schools would be way more entertaining than, like, possibly even oh. going to, like, a Super Bowl. It's got to be, like, a religious experience. Of, yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. Like, the, like, almost like the cult following yeah. that they have is, like, greater than an NFL Nick team. Saban yeah. is God. He is. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, a lot of people's fandom starts when they go to school there. I mean, they go to school there for four years. How many football? I mean, you get to go to half your team's football games. You know, that's pretty freaking awesome. <laughs> right. <I> mean, uh, <laughs> you could probably count on one hand the amount of times you would go to a losing game if you're a student at Alabama for four years. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking it earlier, and I don't know if I said it out loud, so if I repeat myself, apologies. But if you haven't seen University of Alabama's, like, athletic training facility that they built with football money, it's look nuts. it up. There is nothing like it. NFL programs don't even have what the college, like what Alabama has in their athletic training center. It is amazing. Amazing. Unrivaled. So, first pick. Good job. Alabama football. Wow. Dylon. Uh, okay. Well, I'm going to take a bas- men's basketball team okay. for my first pick because, you know, Ben, I think, got the, got the first pick with the football team. So, I'm going to take... UCLA men's basketball team, um, man. I mean, this team has produced uh, some um, interesting notables in the NBA, right? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar being one of them. Goat, right? Uh, Russell Westbrook being another person. Nah. I, <laughs> listen, I don't know much about sports, but I know UCLA basketball is good. Yep. Okay. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Kevin Love is your next player. <laughs> Kevin Love. There we go. There we go. Um, and in 1972, one of their best all-time seasons, they went 30-0 and with Coach John Wooden. He's the GOAT of basketball coaches. So UCLA men's basketball team for top pick. Look, folks, I don't, I don't know much about sports, but I know UCLA basketball is good. So I'm picking it. No, I mean, they for the longest time, when you're really thinking about basketball, like, in its infancy, when it's really starting to gain traction in between, like, the, about the end of World War II up and through about, like, 1970, when it's really trying to change the game, UCLA's at the top. Like, they are the ones, John Wooden especially, who are really changing the game and really, like, cultivating a program. They weren't the best during all that time, but they were one of the best. They're really, especially Wooden, he's a game-changer, like, finding tall guys like basketball <laughs> really like no that it's such a simple thing but it's a revolutionary thing in basketball to find like tall dudes to play basketball so all the in all of these programs especially the greatest programs it's funny because they all kind of hinge on hinge on one iconic coach you know like crimson like alabama football there were other great coaches before saban but saban is like the recognizable one john wooden is that face of UCLA basketball. Like there's no one, no one that can compare to him. John Wooden. John, John Wooden. Wooden. And you got to love, uh, God, what, uh, the, the crazy guy, Bill Walton. Well, I was just, love, a, I was just about Bill to say, Walton. how come Bill Walton wasn't on your list? Cause he was a freak. I don't know. He, my list is incomplete as is my knowledge. Dude, Bill Walton could have been one of the greatest NBA players of all time. If he wasn't plagued with injury. Yeah, his knees, Ooh. terrible. Like, he won that championship with the Blazers, and then after that, it was like, damn, dude, you wrecked your body. Poor guy. Ugh. At a time where recovery was not the focus of training. Was his career cut short? Definitely. And 
I mean, when you just build up a lot of injuries, it just it hinders you from performing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like as you get older, you build up more scar tissue, your ability to move and be as explosive is diminished. But when he was young and he was playing, like, for UCLA, and when he first came to the, to the Blazers, just a freak. A freak. His son was good, too, but Bill was the better, was oh, the better sure. Walton. UCLA, good pick, dude. Thank you. Clap, 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 clap. Uh, third pick is Matt. Yep. Uh, let's see here. It's pulling up some stuff here, but knowing that we've got the best college football team, we have one of the best men's basketball teams. I'm going to go in a different direction because I know I'm going to have to come back around and pick those a little bit later, which is I'm going to choose the UConn women's basketball program. Nice. The most elite women's basketball program in all of the country. They have 11 national titles. They've gone through multiple times where they've not only done back-to-backs, but three-peats, especially since really about 2000. Uh, I think it's like Gino Ariyama came on to be the head coach at UConn. They are the best. Like, it is insane. They've gone multiple seasons without losing. Like, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely nutty how, like, much of a freaking wagon UConn women's basketball is. They are churning out WNBA players left and right. Sue Bird, Swin Cash, Aisha Jones, like, they alone have four players from UConn who have been on a list of, uh, I just saw the stat here. Uh, yeah, so Sue Bird, Swin Cash, Aisha Jones belong to a distinguished group of 11 players that have won an NCAA, NCAA championship, a WNBA title, and Olympic and FIBA World Cup gold medals. They have four of them just wow. alone. And that's only in the last, like I said, 20 years, 25 years. But they've won their conference 25 times. They had a win streak of 111 games. Jesus. 111 games. You play, what, maybe about 40, 50, if that, basketball games in a season. So you're telling me for about two to three seasons, they didn't lose. Like, that win streak was recent, right? Yeah. It, it, I forget when it was. It last, I don't know, a handful of years. Because it created big news when they finally lost. Like, yeah. It's an absolute wagon of a team. And if you're building a school... I want I want UConn women's basketball. Yeah, and, it's and just nuts. Yeah, that win streak also has to survive March Madness as well. Exactly, the chaos Which is nuts. Mm. Like you, you have to like even like going from like sixty four teams down to one, and like the fact that you were like the number one team. Oh like yeah, not like not alone. Like not only did they win all their games in the regular season, they were able to defend themselves through what is considered one of the toughest basketball tournaments in the world, if not the toughest. Well, in in just like. The, the, you're right. They have to survive the gauntlet, yeah, which is March Madness. And you are the one seed for years upon years. And you're going to get people's best every single time. And you have to be on your best to avoid getting upset. So it's, it's just incredible how good they are. Yeah. Because like, versus like the NBA where you have a seven-game series, it's March Madness. It's one or done. That, yeah. that number one seed can fall to that 16 seed. Yeah, let's see. Uh, so they had back-to-back titles from 2009 and 2010, a three-peat from 2002 to 04, and four in a row. Four in a row from 2013 to 2016. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, just dummy how good they are. Monster team. Yeah. So got to choose the wagon, UConn women's basketball. I'm glad that a women's team is going in the first round. This is fantastic. Oh, this is like the Sue Bird pick. Like, they deserve to be there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shout Dude. out to the Seattle yeah. sports legends. Let's yes. go. And Sue Bird is retiring. I know. I'm going Let's to go. see her. Well, oh. this podcast will come out after, but. Right. Yeah. That, I will have seen Sue Bird in her last season. Same. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. 
Got to pick up a Sue Bird jersey. Oh, she's the GOAT. Got to. Absolutely. Got to swoop. And their jerseys have just been getting cooler and cooler. Right. Like I, I feel I, like I, they're almost like Oregon where they have so many different versions of them. Mm-hmm. I love that uh, the WNBA kind of got that revamp. I think two years ago where they kind of redid the jerseys of every city and kind of was trying to go away from the more European style jersey Mm. where the advertisement was like the main uh, like visual on Mm -hmm. on the jersey. And now they've kind of centered them more around the city because they they made the city additions for the WNBA where they really wanted to focus on the, the city that the teams were each individually from. And I think they did a great job. Um, community uh, yeah, yeah. Re- revamping their 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 jerseys the new logo the storm have is so cool it's like the space needle with like the little like lightning bolt in it it's, it's, it's yeah, yeah way way better it's than clean. a cloud with oh, yeah. the <laughs> word storm above storm. it that they had for like the entire early 2000s it just felt like a late 90s early 2000s yeah. logo kind of grungy yeah and it had that weird like red well, it's like what the Sonics did in the 90s. They added red for no reason. I don't it's like, like no, that. Green and yellow. Green and yellow. That classic 70s green yep. and yellow. I like that, but the one that I'm seeing with some orange in it and red is kind of cool. This one? You see that? Is that the one that you're talking about? Uh, see, the one to the right. Ah. That's the one that like, we're all like, yeah, Super let's go. rookie year, yeah. Okay, okay. Ooh-wee, Chase. Last pick of the first round. Freaking wraparound, man. Dude, I feel like for this draft, it's a great it's position, position to be in. Yeah. Man, yeah. You yes, get to but you guys have also left me in a weird position because you guys have all drafted different sports. And do do I... I mean, I feel like I'm going to have to be the first person to re-pick, like, you know, the number two team for a specific sport. Mm, I if know. I was you, there are two that I would take that are both different sports than everything that we've taken. But yeah, I'm not you, and you're not me. You exactly. got to, you got to yeah, do yeah. you. You already know. You've got this. I know I'm me. Thanks. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure you're you? <laughs> We're gonna need to do a deep dive. Yep. Is Chase Chase? Uh, Is he chasing? No, his he's mix? not. Your picks are the ones I'm like kind of antsy about. I'm like, if there's anyone who's gonna take shit that I want. It'll be you. Yeah, I know there's one pick that I could absolutely take from you, but I'm not going to do it. No, you should. No, because no, if you think it's the one, you should do it because I might surprise <laughs> yeah. you. I have a feeling. Might surprise I, you. Uh, I might surprise you. Take it. Yeah, I think I'm going to do it. You got to play to win. Yeah, I am going to play to win, and I'm going to choose the sport that I actually participated in college, and I'm going to take the Oregon Track and Field Club. Oh, I knew it. From Eugene? Yeah, from Eugene, Oregon. I mean, Oregon State, are you kidding me? Come on. <laughs> Hey, watch uh, out. We have yeah, a beaver I mean, right yeah, here. That's a, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, great engineering program. Hey, can't, they're can't a land, air, and sea grant school, all right? <laughs> all right. Um, well, first off, an athlete that uh, participated at this university, uh, Prefontaine, uh, was the one that Pre- originally got me into the sport of uh, track and field, and I thought that I was going to be a two-miler, but was not. Um, they've historically created probably one of the greatest uh, sports communities, I'd say, in the entire U.S. Um, around just the city that uh, Oregon Track and Field is in, and that is Eugene, known as Track and Field USA. Track Town. Um, yeah, yeah, Track Town USA. Also a great little town. Oh, amazing. I would move there. I would move there, too. In the, a heartbeat. It's so chill. The porch scene 
off the off the hook. Okay, so now we're gonna go a little tangent. I'm sorry, Chase, but you're right. Dude. We we, Por- we talked about this. Ben and I were on the phone the other day talking about the porch scene. The porch scene. The How- porch sitting. Housing prices are crazy, and realistically, like teachers in Washington make make way better money yes. than in Oregon. So like, it's hard to justify like selling a house that's in Seattle proper to move to Eugene. Uh, but I'm, move. after staying in Eugene, I'm convinced, and I grew up with a porch. But going and renting a place that had a porch, I'm putting a porch in my front. Yeah, I'm, why not? I'm doing that. Yeah. That'll be a remodel. Porch life. Porch life. Eugene. Porch life. Track town. Go. Yeah. 100%. Sorry. But yes, uh, going <laughs> off uh, a track town USA, um, something that I think is almost more significant um, than the city itself is this is the place that they compete at, and that is Hayward Field. Mm-hmm. Mm. And uh, mm. it is probably one of the only places in the world that I know that is referenced because of the way that you feel when you either go there as a fan or have the pleasure of competing. Uh, sadly, when I competed there, I didn't really feel the Hayward magic, magic. that everyone uh, speaks about, but that's also because they kept us under the stadium for about 60 minutes before our race after we warmed up, which was quite absurd. Um, but going off of uh, what Matt was talking about earlier, about not only having a rich history, uh, but like competing at a very high level now, like they won both indoor and outdoor nationals last year, uh, which was pretty freaking awesome. Uh, Cole Hawker was absolutely dominant in indoor. He ended up winning uh, the 3K and the 1500 uh, indoor, which was pretty awesome um, as he was a 19-year-old phenom posting incredible times um, in both of those events. They actually broke... Uh, the indoor uh, distance medley relay, him and Cooper Tier uh, and two other guys were able to do that last year, which was pretty freaking impressive. Um, but also, Hayward Field just got a new renovation, and it is even more phenomenal than it has ever been. It went from having a very iconic green and wood stadium uh, to now being one of probably the most visual, like, appealing stadiums in any sport ever. Ben mm. showed me it's beautiful. Yeah, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Ben, you were saying it's unique too because there's not many track and field stadiums like that in the U.S., correct? I've spent a lot of time at Hayward Field in the last decade uh, just going there for high-level meets. And the different, like, historic Hayward Field before the remodel was special. You're right, because of the wood bleachers where you could sit where people have sat for 100 years and watched track and field races. And it's called Historic Hayward Field because it is... It is or it is one of the places where the most world records have been set. Like, it's historic because more world record marks have been posted in Hayward Field than any other track in the United States. But the new remodel is so unique because even at old historic Hayward Field, you'd have to leave the, the proper venue to go see the throwing events, which were all stationed outside of the arena. Now everything happens on the main field. And I'm saying everything. The hammer, the javelin, the shot put, the disc, the pole vault, all the jumps, everything is happening on the infield. It was designed to accommodate world athletics so that they could hold international meets there and you could sit in a seat and see every event and not have to leave the venue. And that is unique, like of any track in the United States. There is not another spot that you can go to where you can see absolutely everything from your seat. And it, the ambiance is amazing. The seats are comfortable. It's not like when you go to other stadiums. Mm-hmm. I mean, shit, if you go to a place here in Seattle, think about when you're trying to get in front of people, right? They always have to stand yeah. up, and it's an inconvenience. 
there was so much thought put into the design of that field. You can sit down comfortably and people can still get in and out of the aisle in front of you without you having to move. That's nice. Every seat I in the whole that. stadium is cushioned. They're all super comfortable. They're not the short uh, stadium seats where you're kind of crunched with your arms. Like everything about it is incredible. The way the sun tracks in the stadium, you're never getting cooked out. Uh, just a phenomenal facility. For sure. I, I couldn't hype it up enough. Dude, it looks like a Roman hippodrome, honestly. It's like a spaceship. Like, yeah. go look up the hippodrome. It looks like a hippodrome. It's so cool. It's, it really, I, I think they tried to make it timeless when well, they designed it. And they kept the history ingrained, like, in the facility. There, if you look up pictures, you'll see this huge, almost like, torch structure. And when you're actually there and you get to peer inside of it, I mean, the outside is all modeled with famous figures of Oregon track. So you have like Bill Bowerman and Ash and Eaton, Prefontaine all along the outside. But when you look inside, they took the bleachers from the old wooden, um, from the old wooden bleachers, and it's all constructed on the inside of those. So they preserved those seats that people have sat in for mm, hundreds of years amazing. within this torch, like this international torch. It, that is a fucking great. If if Oregon track didn't go in the first round, we would, I would be questioning our college sports <laughs> the validity acumen. of this draft. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, just to keep talking about how amazing that stadium is, is if you like look at the specs of like underneath the stadium, it's amazing. Like it looks like nothing I have ever seen out of any like like any professional like track and field facilities. Like it is ridiculous how much detail, like Ben was saying, that they put into that stadium and just the little things that the Oregon track team gets to benefit from. And, I mean, why not have the best for the best? And then they make sure they have other things around it that pull you in that aren't necessarily track-related. So when you're walking on the backside of the stadium and you look across one of the training fields, you see another, uh, I think it's like their basketball facility, and they have this huge, like, mural along the side, and it's all ducks flying. And then they have, like, their mascot, and he's doing, like, a fucking Superman in the middle of them. And it's just funny things like that that are also placed that engage, like, every kind of viewer, right? You don't have to be a sports viewer to see that mural and be like, oh, that's comedic. Like, that's funny. It's Donald Duck doing, like, a swan dive flying with other ducks. I don't know. Little things that make that place great. Nice, nice. Awesome pick. That is the first round. Yo, I said it earlier, but we're sponsored by some great sponsors today. Willie Cray's Pictures got us you know gotta hype up that willie craze goes to college that's right and it's uh you know it, it it's straight to dvd because it's <laughs> nc17 unfortunately you know or fortunately you can pick it up uh, as seen on tv exactly yeah okay let's get into that and then we'll get back into more draft draft more This July, oh yeah, from the studio that brought you an origin story of Willie Craze comes the hot sequel film, Willie Craze Goes to College. Uh, is Willie Craze in the classroom? Willie Craze present! In this film, Willie's gonna learn what it takes to be the greatest salesman on the planet. Willie Craze here! I use the library every weeknight and weekend! But little does Willie know that the rise to the top is full of hard lessons non-stop. Willie Craze here! Have you tried my new triple device delight? It has a marijuana bong! It has a beer bong! And it has a cocaine dispensary! Uh, uh, Willie, why do you always say your name? 
before you talk. Willie Cray's here. I don't know. This family-friendly film is sure to warm your hearts and show you a story of a man who can go from top to bottom to top on a roller coaster ride of success. Willie Craze, we are proud to give you your diploma today. Willie Craze here! Thank you! This fall, check out Willie Craze. Tickets available now. Also available online. All right, round two, Chase, you're in the wraparound. And I'm stuck between two different sports and two different teams. And I think I'm going to have to go with the University of North Carolina men's basketball team. Ooh, the Tar Heels. The Tar Heels. Um, And I'm going to start with their uniforms. Um, I think that... They have probably one of the most iconic colorways in all of basketball. I mean, you can see their colors transfer over to all types of Jordan wear because the GOAT himself, Michael Jordan, did attend the University of North Carolina. And he kind of started the iconicness of those colors. But their greatness goes beyond just Michael Jordan. And that's a lot of thanks to... uh, Dean Smith, their uh, most famous head coach, I'd say. Um, He coached from 1961 to 1997, sorry. And uh, over those just about, uh, terrible math, 38 years, or 28, sorry, he was able to accumulate almost 900 wins. He had 879 wins and contributed uh, two national championships Um, which is a third of theirs. They have a total of six, and I'm pretty sure that they're third in all-time basketball behind UCLA, another team, and then they're third. Um, But, yeah, just an overall great basketball program. I mean, every year, uh, at least recently, like they they continue to um, be a competitor that everybody is looking forward to see play uh, in March Madness every year, and – just about every team that goes up against them just because of their long history uh, does a damn good job at trying to take them down. Um, but even this year, they, uh, they struggled through the first couple rounds of March Madness, but uh, they did pretty damn good um, for the, a lot of hate that they were receiving this year just because there was a lot of doubters because they didn't really have what people would have seen as like the most stacked starting five. But they showed a lot of grit and uh, really out-rebounded a lot of teams um, in March Madness this year, which just, like, that just goes to show hard work when you want the ball more than the other team. Um, And a lot of the time, rebounds, turnovers, and free throws are what win games, and that did help them out this year, which was pretty freaking cool to see their hard work pay off. Yeah, the Tar Heels are one of those teams where going into a season, they can be ranked, like, just middle of the pack and still come out at the end swinging as a contender. Well, yeah, I think mm-hmm. they were they were a nine seed. People were people were sleeping on this them this year, and I'm pretty sure they made it to the elite eight. So, I mean, goes to show that every year they they've they've got it what it takes to tango. Now, I'm trying to think was it was it not this previous year, but the year before that they went and won. I think that was 2018 when they beat Gonzaga. Is that the most recent time they've won? I think so. Yeah, like 
I thought they went in the last couple of years. Well, they did. They went. Uh, they went this year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. Because they beat Duke in the Final Four. That's right. Yeah. I and then but then who they lose to? Nova. Did Nova win again this year? I didn't think Villanova won. Or no, was it Kansas? Maybe it was Kansas. I think Kansas won. It was. It was an all blue blood Final Four. I know that. Yeah, it was Kansas. It was Kansas, yeah. It was Kansas, that's right. Ooh. Tar Heels basketball, that's a good pick. It is. That was the first, like, college basketball team I remember in grade school that I got into, mm-hmm. and it was all because of the colors and the hats. That Carolina blue. That Carolina blue pops on a hat. I remember when I was in the sixth grade, the white hat with that blue CN on it, or NC on it, that was the, th- like, for some reason, that was the clothing commodity that all the kids wanted. And they have one of the most storied... Fr- I don't, you probably already said this. I can't even remember. Dog shit memory. But one of the most storied rivalries in all of sports. Like them and Duke. If, if, if you've ever been... If you're a North Carolina native, you're like, oh, you even know how close they are. Those schools are basically neighbors. Like you can drive from one to the other within like 20 minutes, I think. When I went there, they weren't that far apart. And then you have NC State, which is just a hop and skip away, which is like the redheaded stepbrother. But, I mean, all three of them. Yeah. It's a great trifecta of university. right there. Yeah. 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 In a literal, like, like swamp-ass pit. Like, it's hot as hell. Humid as hell. They're out there hooping in nice, nice facilities. That's a good pick, dude. Tar Heels. Nice. All right, back around to me. Uh, I'm also going to finish out my basketball selections. So I'm going to go with Kentucky. Kentucky Wildcats men's basketball. Now, Kentucky hasn't really been on top of the mountain in a little bit in recent history. Their most recent titles going back to 2012 with Anthony Davis and, like, John Wall was on that team too. But and you're talking about the longevity and just, like, you can't ever count Kentucky out because the way they're built currently is with, like, the one-and-done five-star recruits. You always have to factor in Kentucky at the beginning of every season and – if they get in the tournament, you never know if they're going to put together with all these guys that are elite athletes. They're built in an interesting way, but it's kind of like a boomer bust kind of a thing nowadays, but it works sometimes. But if you're thinking about the longevity of just this program, I mean, there's a reason why they've been getting elite recruits for such a long time. And the fact that they are one of the blue bloods of college basketball, if you're thinking who's at the top, you're thinking UCLA, you're thinking UNC, you're thinking Duke, Kansas, Kentucky. That's it. Them and then everybody else. That's the top tier. Kentucky has 11, or no, not 11, 8. I think they have 8. Let me double check on this. 8 national titles, second behind UCLA, who has 11. Uh, they have 15 Final Four appearances. They have, they have the most all-time wins across college basketball with 2,092 wins. It's more than any other program in college basketball. There are winning percentages off the charts. We talked about winning percentage with Alabama. Kentucky's men's basketball wing percentage is 763. That's nuts. That's over three. They're winning over three quarters of their games all time. That is absolutely nuts. I mean, it was, it was a very iconic moment. I think I was like 11 years old when they finally got their 2000th win. Yeah. As a program like UK 2K, like that was a huge, like significant accomplishment for them. And yeah. And just like when you're talking about stability of Kentucky, uh, they're the only school to have five different head coaches win a national championship. So Rupp won it in 48, 49, 51, and 58. Joe B. Hall followed winning in 78. 
Patino won in 96, Tubby Smith won in 98, and Calipari in 2012. So it doesn't matter who's at the helm. Kentucky just breathes excellence. And yes, in the last decade, the, again, this is part of the equation. They don't have nearly the run of success as they did previously. But like I said, you can't count out Kentucky because they're consistently getting five-star guys in that program. Even if it is the one-and-done model, you can't count them out. It's an elite program with a lot of history. They are a blue blood in college basketball. And, I mean, you just got to get – you got to get – one of those top-tier programs, and Kentucky's it. I mean, but yes, as you talk about, they're not, you know, having a lot of championship success in modern time, but their NBA turnover is it's very, nice. very significant. I mean, you're... Mike Ka- or Calipari is turns, synonymous turns with, with, with arguably ruining college basketball. Yeah. Like, his one-and-done model destroyed... It works. It, oh, yeah. it works, but it destroyed cohesive good college basketball yeah, yeah. like the the decade or the decades where you'd have long runs of college programs dominating are kind of dead like there are still like strongholds within the ncaa where those college basketball cro- programs exist but overwhelmingly the one and done model has changed everything oh absolutely it turned uh, it upside down and that's all yeah. because of kentucky yeah. like he he was the only one who embraced that model yeah. All the other coaches at the time were like, uh, no, we want you here for four years. That's the point of building the program. Yeah, no, all because, yeah, it used to be where like even the Dukes and the UNCs didn't do that. But now they're kind of they're not fully to where Kentucky is in terms of fully embracing it. But they're more on that line than they were previously. But Kentucky, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. you got to take it all warts and all. So I wanted to get it done. Damn, two basketball programs. Now I'm done with basketball. Dude, you're crazy. Yeah. Well, wait. But you only had to take one basketball. You took two. I know, but women's basketball versus men's basketball. That's, dude, you're crazy. I mean, he you took the dipped. number one women's basketball team I know. and the number two men's. I mean, that's a that's looking like a pretty good shoot. Yeah. shoot. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to question you it. like yeah. shooting hoops. Yeah. Matt's the team yep. for you. Yeah. <laughs> getting it done. Wow. All uh, his life, brother. Dang. Dude, that's sweet because that means I get to wait on basketball because everyone else has basketball teams. Let me shake my fist out like I'm Henry Cavill. My CGI mustache. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the most unrealistic fight in all of cinematic history. Yeah, except <laughs> what he does with his fist is pretty cool. Yeah, but the thing is... is oh, Tom, no, 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 nope. Doesn't matter after that. I wasn't talking about the actual fight. I was just talking about no, loading up the fist. <laughs> Load it. Chick, chick. Oh, was that in... Uh, oh, what is the that? Mission Impossible. Uh, he yeah, literally, yeah. like, shakes his fist as if he's loading them. I love <laughs> that fight scene, though. It's so fun. Oh. Um, all right. Well, it's up to me now. I'm going to go. I, okay. I, I'm not going to pick two of the same sport. I'm going to do a different sport. Oh, you coward. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Stanford women's swimming and diving team. You fucker. Uh, you at, fucker. Oh man. I could punch you. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, in 2017, uh, the NCAA championship triumphs not only came for Stanford's women's water polo team, but also their women's swimming and diving team, the latter of whom included Katie Ledecky and Simone Manuel. The two Olympic gold medalists were part of a 30-strong Cardinal cohort, cohort that made it to Rio 2016, the largest from any U.S. university. Um, and not only that, but at the world championships... Recently, Cardinal swimmers finished with 14 medals. K- 
Katie Ledecky even became this past year the most decorated woman in world championship history. Stanford's swimming and diving program for women is, I mean, that's storied, at least in recent history. Um, I'm not finding too much going back farther than 2017, but I mean, that's looking pretty good. That's looking pretty damn good. So, I mean, yeah, in Katie Ledecky, you're talking about probably the most talented female swimmer ever. So, I mean, shit, you could just say Stanford swimming and Katie Ledecky, and that's about all you have to say. Yeah. <clears throat> They're elite. Like, uh, the, I think the vast majority of Olympic swimmers are going through, like, a handful of programs. And of that percentage, a lot of them are going through Stanford. I think it's like what Stanford, Cal, and like Florida. Those are all. Yeah. Those are the Texas. swimming schools. I think Michigan's got a good swim team too. Hmm. Well, that's my that's my pick. Good job. Yeah. Great pick. Thank you. Mm. Dang, dude! I thought you were gonna drop more on it, so I thought I'd have a little more time. You son of a gun! I couldn't. I honest to God, I've been trying to dig up more information, and I can't even find a Wikipedia for their swimming and diving team. So. I'm just like, I got the information. I got Katie Ledecky. <laughs> that's about all I could dig up. I mean, I mean that's, like a good, I said, that's a good that, rationale. That's that, that, yeah. that basically, for those listening that don't really know who Katie Ledecky is, she's basically the, you know, Michael Jordan of women swimming. Okay, so we've taken some, some, serious, um, some serious sports programs, and I, I feel like the latter half with the first pick – I'm at a wraparound at this point. So my next two picks have to be good. Everyone already has basketball, so I think I can save my basketball pick for the last pick. No one's going to take another basketball. Y'all would be insane to take another basketball team. So I'm going to dig a little deep in the sports pocketbook here. We're all in the Pacific Northwest, and, you know, there are some things that we don't get exposed to as often. And I'm thinking about lacrosse. Lacrosse Mm. on our side of the country isn't, huge it does exist some high schools have programs but on the east coast it's huge it is huge it is huge and there is one program that dunks on everyone and it's not even close syracuse lacrosse is the best they have 10 national championships um seven of which have come since 93 like they they're dominant they go hard they have the most championships in lacrosse of anyone else if you talk to someone who plays lacrosse, they will tell you that is the dream. That is the place they want to go play. If they can't get into Syracuse, they'll try John Hopkins, even though academically John Hopkins is harder to get into. So And then it's like Duke and then everything else from there. Yeah, then everything else, it's just like trickles down. You do notice that all of the schools that are dominant at lacrosse, though, they're all in the East. There aren't West Coast teams. Lacrosse is not a West Coast sport. No. So paying homage to a sport that I don't know so much about, but I respect. It's intense. It's physical. It's fast-paced. I mean, it's football, hockey, handball, all combined into one. Yeah, and uh, total aspects of soccer foot, too, football, yeah. too. Like, when you're getting near the goal, there's dudes getting absolutely laid out. And those lacrosse players are big, too. A lot of those guys are like 6'3", 6'4", 6'5". Yeah, like the school that I coach at, they have a lacrosse team, and that was new to me because most high schools out here don't have lacrosse, and it's a spring sport. So they take a lot of really great athletes from track, which sucks, and you're right. They take big-body kids, kids who are 6'3", 
210 pounds, yeah. super athletic. It's like, fuck, you could be dominating on the track. You're out here throwing a ball with a stick. Well, I know the, the quarterback from the high school I'm at plays lacrosse. There you go. You're right. A lot of our football players play lacrosse, A lot of too. crossover there. I mean, they just love the contact. Yep. I mean, like, that, that's, I mean my, my college didn't have football. The lacrosse team was the closest, like, mm. brotherhood-type team that mm-hmm. we had where it's the nitty-gritty, get-the-job-done type team. I think it is growing out here, though, because, like, I have seen more and more programs. Like, I know there's, like, a lot of regional, like, you know, kind of, like, city-based club like lacrosse teams, but also I've seen more like schools starting lacrosse programs. Did you talk about the history of lacrosse? Go for it. Um, so it was actually started by um, First Nations or Native American folks. Um, and originally was known as, I mean, in English, stickball. Um, That's funny. Yeah, it was played in the St. Lawrence Valley area by the Algonquin tribe, um, followed by other tribes in the eastern half of North America and around the western Great Lakes. So if anyone out there is wondering about the origins, that's that's where it comes from. Um, pretty cool, dude. That is cool. I didn't know that. Thanks for sharing. Also, um, gosh, he Jim Brown played lacrosse at Syracuse. Dude, sick. Yeah. So NFL Hall of Famers playing. That shows you a little bit of the history of Syracuse lacrosse. They got some dudes. I mean, of of all the lacrosse programs in the nation, they generate the most revenue. So if we're talking about sports programs that we're trying to, like these ones are helping aid our school, right? We got to think of how these are going to aid our school, not just in the program, but outside of the program. Because when a program brings in revenue, it helps. It's like a sea, like a, what is it? A rising sea lifts all boats. Yeah. This sea is going to lift all the boats. So on this team, I'm not trying to like make my case yet, but I will just like a little teaser. Syracuse lacrosse and Alabama football they're making money. They're making all the money in their sports. No argument. No question. That's it. That's the first round, y'all. It's time to get into halftime. Mm. Halftime. All right. So, knowing that we are drafting the most elite college programs at different sports, Let's go into more of a wish list type of a theme here. So put on your fan cap. We all have watched college sports or at least had some familiarity with college sports throughout the years. What's one school that you wish was elite at a sport? That, man, if you had all the power in the world, that they could have Alabama money. They could have had Alabama greatness. What would you, who would you cast a beautiful spell of greatness to? Let me, let me start with mine and get mine out of the way. I went to like a D, what's the lowest ranking D three, D three. I went to a D three school. Um, it's, well, is that the lowest? I don't That's know. The lowest of the D's it, of, Dude, of NCAA. Juco is low. The, the football stadium looked like a high school football stadium. Maybe <laughs> even a little bit like smaller. Um, it was not prominent. I would wish that that school, you know, could get really like. I think the women's swimming team was always on point. Yeah, from what I remember. Um, but get like another really prolific uh, athlete, athlete um, sport, right? To be um, kind of prolific at, right? To excel at, to bring in some more money, funnel some more income into the school. Well, and that's one of the wild things. When you think about college sports, like 
yes, it, it kind of exists in its own entity and like college athletes are in their own unique realm compared to like your standard college students. But it is true. The more success an athletic program has and our sport team has, that's more money that yes, goes a lot towards the athletic department, but at the same time, that's more money the college is receiving as well. So it is through the whole like trickle down of college finance, it eventually gets to things that could use some improvement, whether it be buildings or hiring faculty or things like that. Oh yeah, exactly. Very cool. Matt, what do you think? Oh, that's easy. My alma mater, the Beavs. I wish the Beavs had an elite football team. Simple. What what sport do they excel at? Baseball. Mm. But like, which it, is fitting for you? Yeah, it's fitting for me. But yeah, no. It, if they could have a consistently elite, if they could be like in top dog in Pac-12, I'd be I'd be in heaven because there's nothing better to me than like the atmosphere at a college football game is impeccable, especially in a place like Corvallis, Oregon, where they're similar to Eugene. There's nothing there but the school. Like <laughs> it, it embodies the whole college town. So if that could, place could just be like rocking every single Saturday for weeks and weeks and weeks that fall term and they're just winning and you get those blackouts, those Saturday night games where they're just kicking the shit out of people, it'd be heaven. I love it. To go to, a, nice. to go to a Rose Bowl would be like mm. the best thing. I'd love that. Man, Rose Bowl's about to die. I know. Because so of the sad. way they're fucking They're cannibalizing with it. it. Dude, yeah. they're killing it. And it's all for TV contracts. And TV is dying. It's all streaming now. Cable what sucks. in the fuck? Yeah. It's a silly thing. I don't know. It's definitely short-sighted. That's for sure. You're paying for ads. Actually, and this is a little bit of a tangent. Uh, obviously, I want to hear your guys' responses. But one last thing to do at halftime would also be thinking about, like, what is the future of college sports? Mm. Okay, well. Like, what's the ideal well, future? Well, let, let yeah. Chase there's, go. Yeah, there's two questions let, that let we got to answer. Go. Uh, yeah. So, pick my college team or share my thoughts on where college sports are going? We, the first question first. Because question first. Uh, I still got to get there, too. Um, I think out of any sports team that I'd want to see greatness, that would probably be UW basketball. Oh, man. Um, just because, be like, there's been glimpses of greatness, and I've gotten to fall in love with some players growing up, like just being an absolute diehard IT fan. Isaiah Thomas, for those that don't know, very undersized basketball player, had a great college career. Cold-blooded. Yep, and then like has bounced around the NBA, but has really shown like what it is like for a man that is 5'10 to excel in a sport, which, I mean, really hasn't been done since like Allen Iverson, just six foot, just absolutely balling it up against dudes that are averaging around 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, Dude, seven. he was so good when he was on the Celtics, too. Oh, it was that, nuts. That, is, that is probably one of my favorite, like, sports player fandoms. Just, like, what he was going through in his life and just, like, losing his sister and just absolutely balling out just despite the circumstances and absolutely carrying that team. Man, and UW should be elite at basketball. Like, Seattle is absolutely a hotbed for basketball talent. Especially like we high school basketball. Good. Yeah, we should be so good. Yeah, but, I mean, we should be, and we should also have a pro team. That, too. I mean, a lot of should yeah. A lot of we should, we should. Although we might get, you know, I mean, we, hoping. we have the storm, it when it happens. We have the storm. But women's, like, and this is not a knock to them. It's, it's no, like, when you watch a guy's sport versus a women's sport. Earlier, Chase and I were talking about volleyball. Sorry to go a little tangential here, but he was talking about how awesome it is to watch men's basketball or men's volleyball. And volleyball is awesome. But it's like, you think about, like, high school, there's no men's volleyball in high school. It's women's volleyball. And so there, sometimes it's nice for women to have their own thing because then you get to see them excel uncompared to, like, the male. 
versus when there's a female league and a male league, it doesn't matter who the person is, there always ends up being some kind of comparison between the two gendered leagues. And you just look at men's basketball versus women's basketball, like the size, explosiveness, capacity to shoot deep. It just outweighs the sport so that guys, I'm not saying that watching women's basketball isn't fun. Like I said, I'm going to a game. But it's just not, it doesn't hit like guys do. Like when a guy explodes up and hits the rim, like there's, there's nothing like that. Like that is... Yeah, I mean, you're seeing a human being of unportion- like unproportional size do something insane. Like, they're jumping 10 feet in the air and throwing down a ball with insane amount of force. Well, with like, another giant dude standing in his way, Le- trying to jump over him. LeBron's 6'8", 250. Yeah, ridiculous. To wow. love women's <laughs> basketball... <laughs> to love women's basketball is to have... A found like a profound appreciation for the fundamentals of the sport at their highest level. The technician aspect of basketball. Exactly. Like if you're if you are a big fan of WNBA, you're a big fan of seeing the way basketball is supposed to be played at its highest level. Men don't they don't do the basics the best because they're so good at doing everything else that they're pushing the bounds of the sport in new ways. So fundamentals kind of get lost because they're innovators. Whereas like the WNBA is all about like the foundation hammering it home and that's what really kills it. Well, it's like you'll have a point guard or I mean like damn near every girl in the NBA can handle the ball phenomenally. Yeah, their handling is the best. Their passing is also impeccable. Yes, and it's like when the ball is being dribbled down the court by a girl, like they're not going to do what Giannis does and takes two steps from the half court and dunks it like right they're, like they're way more focused on team basketball yeah like it's not this ooh, let me get myself in an isolation situation so i can score for my team it's let's pass the ball around like real basketball is supposed to be played and let's find the most open well, shot and, and it's like the difference between say like the brand of basketball that like a school like villanova plays in kentucky two different things like yeah. villanova's got walk-ons or people who Three, two, three-star dudes who they develop over time, and they create a great team basketball environment. That's why they win. Kentucky's like, no, I'm gonna go get this guy at six eight. Yeah, because he's a freak. That's very true. Yeah, I mean, like the women's team, they they take advantage of creating open space and reducing they open run space. Plays. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And like, you're right. The the men half the time they get in ISO position. Hero ball. And then yeah. It, yeah, it's just like who's the star? Star ball. Yep. Yeah, it just feels kind of like different sides of the coin, right? I almost wish both could be combined into one. Funny, we were talking about that. I said, I wish that there were more professional sports leagues that were co-ed. Mm-hmm. It would change the dynamic of the game in a fun way. Yeah. Well, but the problem is, like, consumerism. Like, pe- hey, thanks for dedicating your time to listening to this podcast. We really appreciate mm-hmm. it. How many consumers if they have to pick between what they're deviating their attention to, they only have so much time. Would you rather watch men be really explosive and flashy or watch fundamentals? I'm not saying that there's one that's better. I'm saying it comes down to preference. Yeah. Right. Yeah. An attention span, really. Yeah. 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 What program would I like to see? Yes. There we go. Bring us back around. Alma Modern, UW as well. I want them to have a baller track program. That's really like where my heart is. Mm. I love track and field. It is the most participated, like more people participate in track and field than any other sport in the nation. Like 
think about that. A little bit unfair, though, because there's a lot of, like, sub-sports within track and field, right? No, like, I I wouldn't say that. Like, because it is a whole sport. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, you might have 21 events at a track meet. But that doesn't make... I don't think that that is a way to say, like, oh, that's unfair. Because how many positions do you have... If you play like football, yeah, right. Like there's, Ooh, there's eleven okay. guys on the field, and like there's fifty-two people on a team. That's a yeah. good way to think about it. I, yeah. Whereas I think like, and it's crazy being in Washington on our way over. Like we're recording at Matt's house today, but on our way over to Matt's, you drive past UW, and Pat, they have a beautiful track. It's purple. You don't see. That's it's awesome. It's, yeah. it's the only purple track I've ever seen. But it's also very sad to drive by because it, you can tell it's not a place that people go to watch track. They don't have grandstands. No. It looks bleachers, like yeah. They have one set of bleachers, and you can totally tell it's for a conference-level meet where it's basically going to be two teams and, like, the most minuscule amount of spectators. Versus you drive four and a half, five hours south to Eugene, and you have the greatest track, arguably, in the world mm-hmm. built. Like, and they're in the same conference. That's crazy. Like, I wish UW had not, they don't even necessarily need to have their own historic Hayward field, but I wish they had a program that warranted them having that same type of setup and the same type of energy. Because if this is the most participated sport in people that are high school and lower, it should translate into college and into pros and into everyone's engagement within the sport. Um, so I would love to go to UW yeah. and see a high-level track meet, not have to drive to Oregon through Portland, which is just an asshole for traffic, too. It I is. Have to cross, you have how many times you got to cross Ugh. that goddamn river? Like Dude. four times. You know what would have been a smart idea? It goes from three lanes in Washington to two lanes downtown where, where the traffic is, like, doubling. And then you get to, like, uh, like right where you're trying to get to, like, Beaverton and everything. And it's just like, oh, here's all your lanes again. Yeah. Like, what the That's fuck? That's kind of what, it, what it's like in Seattle, though. It's like you, you're on I-5. You're fine. You're fine. Boom. We're going to all of a sudden we're going to hit. What is it? Seneca is going to take a whole lane of traffic plus the uh, the sometimes open, mostly not open um, extra lane. Right. For traffic. Uh, it. it and then it goes down to like two lanes and there's some weird exits underneath the convention center. Then once you get out like past that to about Lakeview, it opens back up. Dude, it doesn't even compare. Like I know. So? Hell no. Portland no. is its own brand. Of because hell. when you're on I-5 and you're coming into downtown, I-5 breaks off into two parts. There's the right side, the left side. The left side is the part you're talking about where it goes two lanes and then the exit for Seneca. But then you also have the ones that are going on like John Street. Yep. So there's two lanes up there. Those two lanes merge into one, and you're right. The Seneca, the Seneca will take one lane, and then there's two. But immediately after you pass Seneca, it's not even a quarter mile before that, that top part of the freeway merges back up. So you go right back into three, four lanes. It's true. But it is not like Portland, where no Portland, is, Portland is two <laughs> lanes from the river all the way down to, like, Beaverton. Yeah. That's a shitty configuration, and it's all floating above the river, so they can't even add to it. Nope. No, it's all like huge overpasses. Gigantic huge. bridges for no reason. That are ugly. Oh, yeah. Ugly bridges. That whole, like, God, can you imagine how nice that river downtown area would be if they actually, like, gave a shit? Yeah. Oh, uh, also, man. if, like, they did something about their homeless. Like, yeah. I realize, I don't know what you do. But don't let them shit in the middle of the street. Yeah. It's unappealing for a visitor like myself. It's a humanitarian crisis. I mean, it's not good for them either, right? You don't, we shouldn't be letting people just live in the street. Like, we should 
provide homes for them or something. But you're right. The river, the river just looks like a dump. That was my first impression like when I went to Portland. brown r- water. I was just like, gross. What, what is this? This is like, you wouldn't want to go down there and hang out. No, right. Imagine a cool, it, like, you know, like a bunch of bars and restaurants right on the riverfront. Oh, Sick. like Chicago. Yeah. Like Chicago. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Wow. That was a big. Did we wait? Did we answer the second question? Well, we might have to table that one for. Uh, Should we table that yeah, second one? We'll, we'll table that one for a future college athletics draft. Where we think college athletics are going, or where would you want it to go? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's that. a whole load of dude. Yeah, we don't have time. Yeah, we don't for got time you for know, that. you know. I'll say one thing. You know where I wanted to go? I want boxing programs. I want boxing programs in high schools. Let kids beat the shit out of each other. It's fine. I mean, (laughs) that's what they do in, like, New Zealand and stuff in grade school is they'll, like, at least way back in the day, they just let the kids have five minutes to duke out whatever argument in the boxing ring. Dude. And, and that shit and, would and never fly, dude. It, it can and, be and safe. And once that five minutes is yeah, over, then, safe, then the sure. argument has to be over. It can be safe. As safe as football. Here's, okay, no, no, no. Here's my... One lawsuit and then it's done. My, uh, my argument is get them a mouth guard, get them a headpiece, get them a vest, and get them a, a crotch guard that's pretty... Like, these things are thick. <laughs> And it's never gonna dude, let's just put them in football. When you pads. when you think of bo- when you think of like if you think of iconic boxing individuals, yeah, the three that come to mind are go. Okay, I gotta say oh, Rocky Balboa. No, just kidding. No, 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 no. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Let no, me... you're taking too long. You don't get to think. Like you don't get to look it up. Three individuals who box go. Man, it's oh, I I can't, I'm bad, I'm bad with names, man. Dude, there are like literal icons that should just be there. I got there. you. The greatest sports marketer of all time, Muhammad no. Ali. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> well, so, yeah, I like Muhammad Ali, no, but, but let's I like just, Canelo Alvarez right now. I, I like know, Ty- but, and I like Tyson Fury I know, and Floyd but Mayweather. I, the whole point of what I'm the the point that I'm making, right? If you were going to ask if we surveyed the majority of people, boxers, pure boxers, the majority of them are going to say Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson. Yep. But, it's true. And, and the problem with, like, it would be cool if boxing was a thing. But there's a reason boxing has died. As amazing as Muhammad Ali is, watching him in his old age was hard for people. Yes. Because his brain got destroyed from the amount of times this dude got punched in the fucking head. He, he had and a he strong was, jaw. And he was amazing. He didn't get hit. Like, he was iconic for being a dude that could dodge. Dance. Well, he could yeah. also take a hit, He's though. He's nimble, yeah. But that's, that's his other strength. But think about that. In an era where we are hyper-focused on CTE in football, and high school football programs in the nation have really gone into decline. Like, there is a real possibility that by the time we are the age of grandparents, high school football could be dead yeah. wow. because of the risk that CTE poses. And that's a sport where you're not focusing on hitting the head. You want kids to box where they are literally knocking their <laughs> brains around. It don't matter if you have headgear because all your head has to do is jolt at a certain velocity and your brain moves. Damn. And you're fucked, dude. Like, boxing is cool, but there's a reason why that sport has died. Yeah, it's turned into NFL players calling each other out. Let's fight. Or YouTubers. <laughs> yeah, or oh, YouTubers. my God. World star. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, I, you know, grade schoolers, I, I like that idea, though. Oh, dude, grade <laughs> schoolers would be oh. entertaining. In theory, amazing. In, In practice? Reality, yeah, yeah, probably yeah. not. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Yeah, you uh, give us a recap real quick, bud. All right, so we got Ben with Alabama football program. 
Uh, also with the Syracuse lacrosse. Is that right? Yeah. Do I need to choose between a men's and women's lacrosse or are we cool lumping can, them together? You can just have lacrosse. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, myself with UCLA men's basketball and Stanford women's swimming. If that's the case, let's give Stan, let's give Stanford Stanford swimming. Yeah. Because their men and women are equally the top. Yeah. And if we're going to count track as a men's and women's water track should be the same. Yeah. Okay. I'm down with that. Uh, Matt UConn women's basketball and Kentucky Wildcats basketball. Yep. That threw me for a loop. Um, and then chase also good move though. Chase. Eugene Track and Field and University of North Carolina men's basketball. Killer. Round three. Third round. I got to get into my favorite sport. Chase took the one that was obvious. Now, if I was fourth pick, I probably would have picked the same because I don't think anyone is going to go after this one. However, having some kind of like track knowledge, I feel there is a team that is actually better than Oregon historically. Like Oregon has everything going in terms of the history of track and they have these really big names. So if name power is what you're going for and what defines a program, then yeah, Oregon is it. But if we're talking about the greatest in terms of who, which program has won the most championships, it isn't even close. Arkansas has the best track program. They've got 35 championships to Oregon's 22. They also have the long, uh, so indoor championships. They've got 23 indoor championships. They've got 20 men's indoor championships uh, and three women. So on the women's side, Oregon does, does beat them. But then outdoors, 12 championships. Their men's outdoor team has 12 championships. They have the longest streak of any school of winning championships from 84 to 95 men's indoor team won every year, 12 year streak, longest track streak. And then their men's team has the second longest outdoor streak behind Southern California from 92 to 99, eight years of winning national championships. That's compared to Oregon's longest streak, five years, their women's indoor and their best outdoor three years. So, I mean, Oregon is great, but Arkansas is kind of unmatched in their ability to win national championships. And I, when I went to USATF level two, the, a lot of the guys who were helping run that training, they were all Arkansas coaches. And the way I will give them credit, the way they recruit is better than most other track programs. Because a lot of track programs will focus on individual athletes and be like, ooh, you are this star and I'm going to build a program around, around you with a lot of walk-ons. But Arkansas doesn't do that. They give a lot of equal treatment to most of their team. So you get a lot more cohesive fits within like their relay, like Kentucky, Kentucky's women's track team, fucking awesome. They're killers, but they're star power driven, which means on a relay, they might have two killers and two like pretty good runners. Arkansas like really levels the playing field and makes sure everything is cohesive around the track. And it's not just focused on sprints and jumps, but they are great at everything. Sprints, jumps, hurdles, throws, distance. Uh, so if there was going to be a track pick that wasn't Oregon, it has to be Arkansas. Well, that was a, a pretty good defense. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, yeah, they are. They're winners. That's that's for sure. And, I mean, they do. They, they constantly have athletes that are placing uh, at nationals. Like, even, like, recently, 
Like you always see those iconic white jerseys with their ugly. They're like boar. Yeah, on the front of it, but it's like you know it's them. Yeah, because they're the Razorbacks, right? Yeah, yeah. and they just kind of look like an ugly version of Pumbaa. <laughs> yeah, you're right. A very pissed off, yeah. like pissed off version. <laughs> yeah. Can you think about how random that is, though? Like, at least I get I Oregon has excelled at track because, like, I don't know, Pacific Northwest. What do you do? A lot of people do. They run. Like, it's kind of something that you do. It's perfect running weather. Yeah, but, like, man, Arkansas? Like, really? Dude, it's hot as hell. People run Humid, down there? Yeah. Why? Although, Arkansas is beautiful. Have y'all been to the Ozarks? Mm-mm. Oof. No. Man, Arkansas's got its own set of mountains that are piney, and it's beautiful there. It just seems like just, like, a random place for, like, an elite track program, you know? Oh, I would, I would sure. expect more, like, yeah, like, there's North a huge, Yeah, There's a like, huge yeah. outdoor scene in Arkansas, and I have no doubt that track lends itself well to that. Or, like, so. I would expect, like, I don't know, like, California schools to be pretty damn good at track, but... Well, I mean, a lot of those, like... Uh, Southern Cal South has a great program. Yeah. Um, a lot of those Southeast schools are, are very competitive when it comes to track and food. Mm. You've got Arkansas. You've got LSU. You've got Florida. Like... All like historically great track teams and modern, like modern in, in modern day, they're still very competitive. Yeah, like if you were going to rank all the programs based on championships, both indoor and outdoor, men's and women's combined, Arkansas's got 35, LSU's got 32, because their women's outdoor team is the best women's outdoor team in the nation. Um, Southern Cal has 30, and then Oregon is fourth with 22. Then it, from there, it's like. 13 for Florida, UTEP, and UCLA, Texas 11. So, like, those four schools dominate track and field overwhelmingly. Gotcha. For state colleges or universities, do, for the majority of them, are most students in state or out of state? What do you all, what, what do you know? What Do you all have an idea of that? Because I'm, one of the questions in my mind, where are these athletes feeding from? What states are they coming from? The South. A lot of those, at least sprinters. I mean, distance runners come from, like, the North typically, but a lot of Texas, Florida, California at least have the most competitive sprinters historically. Because they can train all year round. Mm -hmm. Their weather doesn't hold them back versus Mm -hmm. out here. It's really hard for a trainer or for a sprinter to go all year round when you have cold conditions. Mm -hmm. Like, that really impacts your ability to train. Mm -hmm. So down south, like... They're, they were and a lot of recruiting is done locally. Like there is, there is national recruiting for sure, mm-hmm. especially when you have nationally ranked prospects. Like uh, Lyric Lopez was a three hundred hurdler who just graduated out here in Washington, and he's surely getting recruited from colleges all across the country. But equally, the majority of the recruiting is coming locally. UW is going to be going after a lot more Washington track athletes. Then they're going to go for out-of-state people. It's just less work, less money spent. That it's, makes sense. And it's easier to pitch athletes on that. Like, hey, you are in-state. This college is going to be cheaper than if you go out-of-state and have to pay more. Versus then you save the, the athletes that you're trying to pull from out-of-state as your top recruits who you're actually going to be paying to come. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then it's also going to be easier to get those athletes to come to your university and get either gear in front of them or like them seeing the facilities. Which, and I mean, is like number one selling point, typically. Another question I have, because this is, this is someone, I, I'm interested in sports. I want to learn more about sports. And I'm sure some of our listeners have this question. Do people internationally pursue United States col- universities? Yes. yes. Because so, of sports. So when you, like, I just got back from the World Championships down in Eugene. 
and it's it's international. Like we're, I was basically watching the Olympics on a non-Olympic year, and so you have all of these different folks from who are representing different countries. But I'll tell you, when you're sitting there up close and the athletes are coming and talking to the coaches, you notice, oh shit, this guy from Estonia is talking to the Georgia coach because he went to the University of Georgia. Most international athletes, like if they have a focus in athletics, they are coming to a, to a United States university mm. because mm. our coaching is greater than everyone. There's a reason why, like, and I'm only, I'm only going to talk about track and field right here because it's an international sport. Mm-hmm. Football is not an international sport. Basketball, kind of international, but most players come from within the U.S. Track and field pulls a lot of international a lot of international talent. And that's because their national teams and their national coaches aren't as good as our college coaches. Like our, our men's and women's U.S. team this year at Worlds left with over 30 medals. And the next closest was like 20 less for a nation. Like we dominate track wow. in large part because our track universities are the best. Our coaches are the best. And most of those coaches are going through USA Track and Field, which has like an overall overarching like philosophy of how track is done. And that is like like correlated or, or like it's shown in our colleges as well. And just that like cohesiveness of like how kids are being coached. So like they're being coached similarly growing up by coaches that were a part of USA Track and Field. Exactly. Like I was able to go from Ben to my college coach and they use very – similar like lingo for everything they call everything the same they they we warm up the same like it was crazy to go from high school to college and have a coach that or or two coaches that had been through the usa track and field like training and it showed like like from day one and that's not to say that every coach does that like i most of the track coaches i know that that coach at the level i do in high school they don't get usa Certification, Like, I did that because I do want to coach at a college eventually. But that makes the difference. Like, if, yeah, you, go through, difference. if you go through USA track training, it's kind of like they're giving you the secrets. They're giving you the recipe book. Now, does it have the newest recipes that they're using at this upcoming Olympics and World Championships? No, 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 no. Like, I'm, you're probably getting stuff from a cycle ago. You know, like 2016 Olympics at this point, if it's 2020. But you're still getting material and coaching philosophy and training methods that the rest of the world isn't using like shit when you go through usa track they are very strict with you like you cannot distribute this online you cannot sell this stuff like we will come after you like that those are basically like trade secrets but it's also a reason why we just we dominate at a high level and so yet to answer your question in a very fucking long way, <laughs> yes. a lot of international track athletes go to college here for the coaching, and then they go back to their country and represent their country um, in a great way. Shit, the, the lady who just won or who just set the new world record in the women's 100 hurdles, she went to school over here. Man, and that's then crazy. she went and represented uh, Nigeria and now holds the world record. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Um, is it my turn? It sure. is. Okay. It's your turn. So I'm going to go for, um, I'm still not coming back to football yet. Maybe I'll come back in the fourth round. I don't know. It's cool. I got basketball in the end. So. Woo! Let's yeah. go. Uh, I'm going UNC, University of North Carolina, women's soccer. So the UNC, I'm getting this 
the UNC women's soccer program is considered the best soccer college program in the U.S. Uh, the team has won 23 of the 27 Atlantic Coast Conference championships and 21 of the 38 NCAA national championships. Um, every year, the team has participated in the NCAA tournament and holds a mind-blowing all-time record of 496 wins over less than 100 losses and ties combined. So some notable alums have participated in this program, including Mia Hamm, Tisha Leah Venturini, Serena uh, Weigman, Heather O'Reilly, and more. So um, their men's soccer team is also awesome, but I'm not going to talk about them. Just going to talk about the women's soccer team. Going to represent women's soccer for UNC. Ugh, gross soccer. I know. I also <laughs> secretly wanted to rev Ben up a little bit, but Ben already went on a rant, so I don't know if he's got another rant in him. I just, I, I'm clearly an American because I just do not like soccer. I like it when, <laughs> I like it when high school girls play soccer because it's in the fall and it helps them be better track athletes. But it's like being really good at chess. I'm glad, or it's like being really good at checkers. I'm sorry, I, like checkers is cool when you're in grade school, but. Like, let's play some chess. Like, if you want to play a good game, play some fucking football. Like, that is, that, that's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be that guy, but American football just dunks on soccer. Like, sorry, soccer. Like, there's a reason why little, little kids start off playing soccer and t-ball. Because they're easy, they're accessible, the rules are easy to understand. That doesn't make it the greatest. I also think it it makes the accessible. It's like okay, it is like the most accessible sport. Second. It is oh, the most track, mo- track is track. All you need to do is go run. Okay, fair enough. All you got to do fair is enough. run. Like That's your body fair. has the capacity. With soccer, you need a ball. Well, if, if you're gonna say, well, you need shoes to run track, fuck you. Then you could easily say you need shoes to play soccer. There's, but both of them, you could play barefoot too. There are some more complicated track and field events that I maybe would not feel comfortable participating in. Whereas with soccer, I would feel comfortable doing all of the things, but you're a distance runner. I am. You don't need anything. So that's what I'm saying as a distance runner, Mr. Man, but as like with the pole vault or with the hurdles, but those, okay. But the pole vault is like such a technical, such a niche. I know, but it's part of track and field, but we're talking 21 events. Like you're gonna you're gonna level like as a sport somebody that's... that has competed at a college level. I haven't even tried all of them. Yeah, sure, no, <laughs> like, sure, sure, sure. Like... But I'm just saying, soccer. All you need is something that you can kick. You don't even need a fucking soccer ball. You just need something you can kick around. You're kicking a fucking yeah. like foot like a yeah. American football <laughs> yeah. around. It's just going the places you don't want it to go. But I mean, that's what makes it Son, so how'd you great. Get so good at soccer. I used a football growing up. <laughs> <laughs> And hey, that's real difficult. It's like an extra challenge. But I mean, that's why I, you get like so many athletes from all different walks of life is because you can grow up just kicking a ball. I think that's what makes soccer kind of beautiful is, you know, I don't, I don't know if you need all these formal programs and training for soccer necessarily. Oh, yes, you do. You think so? Yeah. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a big soccer fan, but the skill, the skill they have, the things they can do with their feet. Like, their quickness is, I mean, it's a step below football players, but it's up there. I like, mean, it's you, an endurance sport. You, oh, 100%. Oh, it's endurance for sure, but it's also, it's also, like, super stressful on your central nervous system because of how quick you have to, like, 
it's endurance, but it's also super anaerobic. That's why I'm saying I love it when girls play soccer in high school because it's the perfect fall sport to facilitate winter lifting and then spring track because it's, it's I would argue it's more anaerobic than it is aerobic. Because let's say you have your position, you're really active and engaged for a spurt. Some of it's very explosive, and then you kick the ball off, and then you're in a rest state. That's a lot more. Um, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Sim, it's a lot more similar to an anaerobic exercise than it is a continuous, like slow to moderate jog. Yeah, which is why I think it's a great sport for developing young athletes. Like again, I don't want to come across as a soccer hater. Like I think there's value in the sport. I just think that there's better professional sports. Well, UNC women's soccer team sure is great. Yeah, that's dope. <laughs> I mean, what, you said that they won almost 50% of the national championships. That's that, almost unfair. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, Jesus. They're very good. Yeah. They're yeah. very, very good. Like winning, t- what, you said 21 out of 38, right? That's Yeah, that's pretty fucking... I mean, you should look it up, See, like, because uh, the... Tar- and, or, uh, UNC Tar Heels, their men's basketball team are going to be, like, their highest revenue earner. Mm. But with a record like that, how does their soccer program, like, measure up in terms of earning revenue for the school? Is it its second largest athletic contributor? I mean, because with a record like that, you would think that's the number two sports program at that school. It's not much. It's $859,000. And it actually loses money. How much does how much do their basketball team bring in? So probably a couple mil a year, probably. I think my biggest I mean, my just, biggest money maker is my US my UCLA ooh, men's thirteen point four million. See, but you also like you were talking about earlier, like UW's track facility versus Oregon's track facility. Like a soccer stadium typically doesn't have nearly the grandstand that a football or a basketball stadium like has. No. Yeah. And so that's exactly why it's not going to generate as much revenue it, like right there because they're limiting themselves at the amount of money they can make off the seats that they have. Well, and also how much does the sport actually like rev up its student body? Yeah. How many yep. people going to that school are like, how many people at UNC are like, you know what? I want to go see a women's soccer game. They are so dominant. It's true. But at my school, since I'll have, uh, we're not at the maker case, so I don't need to do this right now. But the UCLA men's basketball generates $127 million in revenue, which is pretty good. Where'd you get that? Now they Wait, s- per year? Or the, that's oh, no, this is sports that's got, team. Ah, oh, come on. Well, I didn't I read say that. That's a ridiculous. Because no, well, I have it up right, no, I have no, it right no, no, here. No, no. That's their not fi- right. Their financial report from 2020 to 2021 they generated thirteen point four million, whereas from nineteen to twenty, they go. generated twenty six point two million. That's the reason good. why there was that huge drop off, though, was because of COVID. Yeah. So normally it's pretty good. That's the money maker right there for my school. Well, I was, I will say, I was talking about their men's basketball. I don't know about their soccer. Right. Yeah. Well, your school, like that's another question: is how many money maker programs does your school need for athletics? Does it need one? Well, but if we're or building an athletic program, you would want all all, all of, of them, them to be huge revenue earners. In theory, but you, I think it's about the legacy, too. You want kids to know about, you want athletes, right? Okay, but what is a legacy value for? Like, what is it, what does having a legacy do? It brings more people in to Which, generate more revenue. Yeah. It's all about the, the reason why Oregon and Hayward Field is so prominent mm. 
is because of that legacy. But that legacy aids in them generating revenue as a program because you know when you go there, you're going to experience Hayward magic. So I think there is value in being able to demonstrate that that program can gem- generate revenue. Now, what you're saying is UNC, Jesus, and you're right, they lost money because they pay $1.7 million in expenses it, and they generate eight sixty. Lo- it loses money. But relative to other women's soccer programs, do they actually like fare better? You know what I mean? Like maybe, maybe University of Washington has a higher expenditure and way less revenue. So even though these guys are losing 50%, like they're still making more than but what... But it also makes sense for a team that is super good to have super high expenses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And right. also women's teams don't make nearly as much as men just historically so for women's athletics you know and this is not to disparage women's athletics that is not what i'm trying to do it's just they make less money yeah chase your basketball team is a fit in the bill for the soccer team (laughs) yes so i mean i think that is for most schools i mean a majority of them they're gonna pay a majority of their athletics through basketball and football just because of the popularity of how many how many people each year go and watch them i mean they're mm-hmm. they're making so much money off their ticket sales and then also tv deals yeah. oh god the t- yeah uh matt looks like he's doing some equations over there you ready to pick yes i am ready <laughs> uh my next pick i'm saving football for the last rounds so therefore i'm gonna go with michigan hockey michigan men's ice hockey because they do have a men's and a women's team but i'm gonna go with michigan men's hockey they are the gold standard for collegiate hockey in the United States. And again, another one of those like really regional things, like similar to your lacrosse. Like there are not really any hockey collegiate hockey teams in the West Coast. Oddly enough, there's a really good one in Arizona State. I don't really get that, but for the most part, like you have like club hockey on the West Coast, but collegiate hockey, like the Frozen Four, the elite of the elite, Michigan is top dog. They have nine national titles, more than any other program in the country, and. Since 1991, they've made 21 consecutive NCAA tournament appearances. And they've contributed over their course of their history upwards of like 150 NHL players, including in the last draft from last year, 2021 draft, four out of the top five picks were from Michigan. So they not only have the history of producing guys for decades, and they've got the titles, they've got the longevity, the, the track record of success, but they're still churning out dudes even till today. Uh, hockey's huge in the Midwest. So it's saying something when you're better than Minnesota, which is the state of hockey, you're better than Wisconsin, right? You're better than all these little schools, whether it be UMass, Boston University, Boston College. You're better than all of them. Like that's that's saying something because like hockey, like hockey people take this seriously. So to be top dogs and not only, I think the most impressive thing about Michigan hockey here is that not only are you getting consistent success, but to have four of the first five NHL draft picks come from one school, and you're competing against all these junior programs in Canada, Canada's way more hockey-centric than we are. So for an American university to produce four of the first top five picks in an NHL entry draft compared to, like, all of Canada, that's pretty damn impressive. Or the fact that they can recruit Canadian players to come to this program rather than go pro immediately, it's pretty damn good. Hell so, yeah. Michigan hockey. Badass. I love that you picked hockey. Channeling a little Dustin yeah. there. Shout out Dustbuster. 
I appreciate. I know he would appreciate that pick. I'm sure he'd have something to say about it. Yeah, he probably knows more about that than I do. But nevertheless, pretty damn good program. They made. We're talking about money. I was doing my math there. They actually made about 3.5 million last year. Nice. It's pretty damn good for a hockey program. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Legit. Chasing the wraparound. Your last two picks, dude. Back you got, to back. You can get exactly what you want. Exactly. You yeah. can have whatever you like. I think I'm going to take exactly what I'd like. Um, And with my third pick, I'm going to pick my first, or I guess I technically not first female sport because I took Oregon track and field with men's and women's, but that is uh, UCLA's uh, softball team. Mm. Uh, softball became one of my favorite sports to watch um, in college. Not because, just because our team was absolutely dominant uh, at the Cordia University of Irvine. Shout out Eagles. Um, but to its male counterpart, I think that it differentiates itself more than other sports. And you d- don't find yourself often comparing the two nearly as much, which is one reason why I absolutely love uh, watching softball, and the Bruins have created quite the dynasty uh, as they have 13 national championships uh, over uh, their career, which is uh, five more than, or, f- or they have 12 national championships, which is four more than the runner-up Arizona with eight, and um, they have like 19 conference <laughs> appearances, um, and they have like hey buddy, twelve the NCAA super regional appearances, and yeah, they just are probably the most dominant softball program in the entire United States. And yeah, that's why I'm going with the UCLA Bruins. Dude, I'll tell you what, like softball. I, occasionally I'll find like the women's college world series on TV or something like that. Man, that's straight up, straight up a party. Softball is wild. Like even as like a high school baseball coach, like occasionally we'll be playing. Like, the, the baseball and softball teams will have a road trip at the same school at the same time. And our games are going at the same time. And I'll just, like, kind of, like, look over randomly. And it's just, like, straight up like a concert over there. Like, they're bumping tunes. They're having a blast. I'm like, guys, why can't we do that? Like, we're boring. Dude, the women on... They get it, down, man. So, awesome. the high, uh, the public school kids I hung out with, because I went to a private school for high school. The public school kids I hung out with, uh, I knew a lot of the women on the softball team. Dude, they partied so hard. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's hard to keep up with those softball players. Holy shit. They're badass, too. Like, yes. What Softball just blows my damn mind. Like, you could have one elite pitcher for the entire year. Like, I don't know how she doesn't destroy her rotator cuff. Like, it blows my mind. Like, you could have legitimately, like, there are Olympic softball players who, like, played college softball. They're the ace. That's the only pitcher on their team. Like, they'll have more, but they're only going to use her yeah, for an entire ba- season. Baseball used to be the same way. Yeah. Like, pitchers back in the day. Oh, they'd throw, like, 150 pitches. No all, no sweat. All day. Yeah. And then there's, like, this change where they're like, oh, you know what? We just need to maximize your yep. throws, and you're only going to pitch three to four innings. And then we're going to have other people come in and sub after that. But imagine if they changed it oh where you were limited the amount of pitchers you could have on a roster, so then your pitchers actually had to – because I think – that's one of the things that makes softball really fun. Yeah. Is you get consistency, like greater longevity within a game with a player, but then also their fields are smaller. 
their venues are way more intimate. Oh, yeah. You're on top of the action. So, yeah. like, that connectivity with the athletes and the ambiance of the stadium is just so much more electric. Like, you're saying, like, it is a party. Yeah. And when you're in the stands at a softball game, you feel like you're there because you're both really close you're in this environment that's intimate. You're close with the fans versus baseball feels so You're big. You're very far away. It's yeah. so big. Yeah. And you feel isolated from the players because it's so big. Yeah. No, it, it, it's, it's, it's like basically our best attempt at recreating like a European like soccer game. Yeah. It feels that same kind of vibe as in college softball. Hands down. That's yeah. dope. Absolutely yeah. electric. Hell yeah. Damn, we are. We're rolling, but we're also like kind of taking our taking our time we're taking our time and i kind of like that yeah now. it's nice i like that i like that we're making some cases while we're rolling along with it b-e-a-utiful b-e-a beautiful all right y'all that's gonna do it for the third round we got another ad adult college finder and then we'll get right back into it you know what it is mount draft more Yo, dudes, if you're anything like me, you kind of screwed up college the first time around, and now you're looking to go back. This time, make the right decisions and use adultcollegefinder.com. Adult College Finder syncs with your internet footprint to identify the best potential schools for you. In 10 minutes, just 10 minutes after you sign up, you'll have a list of prospective schools with everything you need to know about campus activities, dorm life, oh, and of course, the courses you'll need for your potential degree. Adult College Finder's website allows you to use a super sophisticated chat tool to communicate with school personnel in case you have additional questions. But that's not all. You can also apply for scholarships and financial aid right on your profile page. Adult College Finder has everything you need. If you're looking to go back to school, make the right decisions this time. Use adultcollegefinder.com. Go where you belong. Chase, round four, last pick. What do you got, dude? It's got to be football. Yep. <laughs> oh, it does have to be football. It You're right. It does have to be football, and that is why I'm going with the Notre Dame ah! Fighting Irish for my men's football team. Wait, Dylan, do you not have football either? Surprisingly, they have won 50% of their national title appearances. They have appeared in 22 national championships, and they have won 11, and they have lost 11. Um, but their winning percentage isn't one of the main reasons why I'm picking them. I mean, yes, they are probably one of the five most dominant football teams historically in the United States. Um, but they also have one of the dopest helmets, in my opinion. Like, they literally have gold flakes in their helmets, which I think is pretty freaking awesome. And their gold helmets contrast their Navy jerseys uh, so beautifully. And you just always know, like, if you flip on the TV and you see those gold helmets, you automatically know that Notre Dame is playing football. Isn't Notre Dame green? 
No, they're blue. Sometimes they use green, green, though. But they're, like, at least what I'm thinking of as their most iconic jerseys is their navy with the gold helmets. I did not know they were blue. I really thought they were always green. No, they they are blue. They wear special green jerseys when they play, like, USC. Okay. Yeah. You think, being the Fighting Irish, they would be green? Well, and I think of Rudy. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought in Rudy they wore green. Oh, no, that was blue the entire movie. Really? Yeah. You have to go back and watch that. Damn, I'm tripping. That was high school. Got dog shit memory. <laughs> Sorry. But anyways, yeah, just, I mean, Notre Dame fighting Irish. I feel like when you think of Notre Dame, you think of football. I mean, historically, mm-hmm. I mean, like Ben was talking about, Rudy, it's very, very famous movie that incorporates, again, a very iconic and nationally known uh, football team. And I, it, they're interesting because they are an independent. They compete against, they participate in five games in the ACC per year. But other than that, all their games are against typically like as high of ranked teams as possible because like that's kind of who they are. They are looking to play the best of the best, compete with the best of the best, and uh, now I guess compete in the college playoffs because they now exist and kind of interesting. But I'm hoping that moving forward more teams can get involved with the playoffs because the way that they've chose to do it right now is pretty lame. I just feel like it, it, it – as far as like the potential for marketing and money to be made, like you'd think that they would – make the playoffs or at least include a lot more teams in their playoffs. But I think they're limiting themselves right now, only limiting it to four teams. And sadly, the Notre Dame is over two on their college playoff appearances, but they do have two of them, which is pretty freaking cool. So, Um, yeah, Notre Dame fighting Irish. They, being independent because they are a private university, of which the only other private university to participate in the conferences they do is Boston College. Um, So that makes them even more unique and interesting. Um, also their stadium is super cool. It's like, I don't know what to call that architecture style. <laughs> what is that? Like gilded age architecture. I'm not even sure what that is. It, it, it's like, it's like, uh, art deco maybe art deco. Yeah. yeah I yeah. like that. It's cool. So got a cool stadium, got a cool team. I mean, shit, they can pack almost 80,000 fans in there. 77,000 fan capacity, which is pretty freaking awesome for a college football game. Yes. Damn. That's a good one. Man, you're right. It is blue. And I, as when I looked at pictures, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I don't know why I thought off the top of my head it was green, but those blue jerseys, those gold helmets pop. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. shit is fire. The the contrast Mm -hmm. between that gold and the navy is... As Matt would put it, iconic. It's iconic. almost like that's yeah, it's almost iconic. like that's what Michigan wanted, but they couldn't get it because Notre Dame already had it. So they're like, okay, we can't do gold, but let's just do yellow. We'll try to get as close as possible. Yeah. Maze. 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 All right, well, keeping on the run of football teams, because now I have to take one and and Dylan has to take one as well. I'm gonna go with Ohio State football. And with Ohio State football, you also get the benefit of the best damn band in the land, which is the Ohio State marching band that performs at every single Ohio State football game. I had to give them a special shout-out because they are the greatest marching band in the history of humankind. They are It's incredible. When I went down to see the Rose Bowl of UW in Ohio State in 2019, like I was blown away about it. I was like, I, you know, I always thought like the whole marching band thing was cool, but they put on a damn show. Like Their choreography is amazing. Back to the football team, though. You're talking about... Oh, what was the study? They have uh, nine national championships. No, eight national championships. Uh, four playoff appearances. They're twenty. They're exactly five hundred in bowl appearances. 
Ben mentioned at the beginning about winning percentage 731. That's pretty damn good. They have 41 conference titles. That's nuts. 39 in the Big Ten. Like, that's just... I mean, very competitive conference. Just, I mean, the Big Ten is known for beating the hell out of each other. Like, that is grassroots. Like, same thing with the SEC. Like, pound you in the face style of football. So, the fact that they've won 39 Big Ten titles is pretty damn crazy. Um, they've got seven Heisman winners, 90 consensus All-Americans. And it's just between the... The uniforms, you got the scarlet and the gray, the, those gray, awesome gray helmets with the decal stick, the Buckeye stickers for every single time. But they start off the season clean. By the end, they're all covered in the stickers. Like, Ohio State's known for producing dudes. Like, in that rivalry. I mean, there's nothing better than that yeah. Ohio State-Michigan rivalry. They absolutely hate the shit out of each other. And it's actually kind of funny in that like, my last two picks were Michigan and Ohio State. So I got representation from both. But, man... Ohio State's a juggernaut. You think about college football excellence, especially in a modern day. You think about Alabama. You think about Ohio State. You think about, name your other SEC team. Lately, it's been Georgia. But Ohio State's always in the mix. Every single season, they're always ranked in the top five. You can always count on them to be right near it when it comes to college football play of time. They just have a track record of success, and they've got the history dating back to Woody Hayes in the 50s and 60s. That rivalry's intense. Like, Ohio State football, it's a pretty damn good program. So, Ohio State. I also just love how unique their rivalry is. Like, it, it makes sense that, like, you know, Duke and UNC are rivals because they're basically right down the street from each other. Yeah. But, but the fact that, like, these two teams hate each other and they're states away is pretty They're, like, 100 cool. miles apart. Like, yeah. oh, like, Columbus and Ann Arbor are not close. Yeah. Like so, the fact that they're awesome rivals that is that the rivalry crazy. can stretch that far. And, I, and if anybody that knows – college football that's probably the greatest rivalry in all of american football well i'm not trying to get tangential because you asked the question at halftime and we said we'd we'd you know table it for another discussion Mm -hmm. but that's part of what makes college sports awesome our regional matchups oh yeah so with what's happening now with this consolidation of conferences it takes away regional matchups so you have ucla and usc what they just joined the big 10 they joined the Big Ten with teams that they have no regional affiliation or history with. So the teams that are already in the Big Ten that have these storied, established relationships, they don't give a fuck about USC or UCLA no. coming in. Those are just bodies to knock out. And the UCLA-USC fans aren't going to have these iconic matchups that they're used to having from the pack where they're coming from. Yeah, there's going to be no Cal, Stanford, UCLA, USC matchups anymore. So it's it's a disservice to like the whole college sports system because re- like regional, that's what really makes sports fun. Oh, like yeah. think about think about professional sports. Oh, yeah. The Seahawks, their rivalry with the 49ers. That's kind of like one of the big things that 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 makes that team pop. If you don't have that regional rivalry, what, the, what are you doing, man? Yeah, but also, like, with the losing the regional rival, you're also going to lose a, a ton of fans. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, like, like when, like, take the Apple Cup, for, the, for example. Like, whether it's in Pullman or Seattle, there's going to be a boatload of whichever team is away. Oh, the representation the, of away oh, fans like, is like, great. Yeah, it, it, they're, they're going to feel the need to represent their team, to help their team win yeah. in the, like, the trenches of the other team's home territory. Well, and this is why it doesn't make sense, because like, the Big Ten, like Rutgers is in the Big Ten. That's in New Jersey. Yeah. So you could theoretically have a team from New Jersey and L.A. play each other in one conference. That makes zero sense. 
Yeah. It, it's no disservice to the athletes, too. That's too much travel, and I, it's just not good. I was just about to say, in doing research, like, that's kind of the I I found two different, like, trains of thought when you're trying to rank the best programs. The best programs in terms of, like, winningness and revenue generated, and then the other side, the best programs for the athletes. Overwhelmingly, the programs at Stanford, Princeton, Harvard, like a lot of Ivy League schools are the best for their athletes because they're really good at both keeping academics and the sports calendar, like, simpatico, right? They're working together versus with this move of UCLA and USC to the Big Ten, those athletes are in for a shitty experience. Yeah, they're going to be missing a ton of class. ton of class. They're going to have to spend so much time traveling across the country to go play that that's going to diminish their ability to recruit effectively. So they did this short-sighted move for money and TV deals, not keeping like not taking into account the athletes' experience, and that's actually going to hurt their programs in the long run. Because what kid, if you're a kid and you're like, okay, I can go play at UW and play schools that are reasonably close in the same time zone. I'm not going to miss a lot of class. Versus, I need to go travel across the country every other week to play football and the way the calendar works like how many college football games you have 10 12 okay so you have 12 games if half of your games are away and you're not going to go home away home away home away you might have three consecutive weeks where you're traveling from the west coast to the east coast different practice times mm -hmm. different prep schedules god yeah, it's a fucking and on top nightmare. of that you're I mean, a the student. thing is is like you're providing a great analysis of it but a, a 17 or 18 year old that's making this decision to go to a specific college, like they're not going to be thinking about that. No, yeah. they're going to be thinking about the gear that they're throwing. They're in like, their oh face man, these, all these, these unis are sick. Yeah, dude. And, the, and and the facilities and the way that they make them feel when they show up, and it's yeah. like they're they're yeah, in a way they're they're diminishing their college experience. Yeah, yeah. Also, one final note on Ohio State before we move on. Uh, the last like major fiscal year of. 2020 they made 115 million dollars over 49.49.4 wow. wow. percent of the entire athletic budget at ohio state was football that's nuts so ohio michigan OH, football io alabama football clemson football georgia now like when you lsu when you look at yeah. the stadium it looks I mean, it, shit, they have higher capacity than most NFL stadiums. Oh, the, the horseshoe at Ohio State revenue. holds like 105,000 people. It's nuts. It's stupid. Wow. That's a good pick. Wow. You can't get, if you can't get Alabama, that's a good pick. Yeah, the value thing, in the Notre fourth, Dame was a good pick, I mean, too. The only Notre thing Dame's that Ohio State pick. lacks in modern time is just NFL turnover. Yeah, but. a lot of their guys turn out to be a little bit on the, the bus side of things, but... I think that yeah. comes to, I think that comes down to coaching. Yeah. And and you know that Urban Meyer, he spent a lot of time at Ohio, but he doesn't have a great track record for sending pros. No. Like his system doesn't develop pros. He's kind of a douche. Like, Dude, he's a fucking ass hat. Yeah. I'm sorry for Nick or for Urban Meyer fans, but fuck that guy. Anyways, tangential. Dylan, Go for it, Dylan. Your your last you pick, picking? dude. Yeah. Uh, I'm picking the University of Oklahoma Norman. Um, go boomer sooner. Uh, yeah, boomer sooner. Sooner. Um, so this is Oklahoma's most historically successful program. Um, and so you can just ask the seven-time NFL Pro Bowl running alumnus Adrian Peterson, right? 
Um, the Sooners have picked up more wins than any other college team since 1946, have ended up in the top five of the Associated Press's college football poll more frequently than the rivals and have the greatest number of post-war NCAA recognized titles in college football. Now we're going back pretty far with post-war stuff. Granted, yeah. that's granted. Um, but still they're raking in a lot of money with 94 million in revenue in their football program, um, 43 in expenses. So with about 51 coming out of the gate in profit, um, that's, Nothing to shake your hat at negatively, right? That's a good football program. And I will be happy to round out my fourth round pick. That is a value pick in the fourth round. I mean, Oklahoma football, like, man, they really are tried and true in the whole, like, there's nothing in Oklahoma but football. Yeah, there really isn't. There's nothing there. No, like Norman. So Norman's right outside. Has anyone been to Oklahoma here? Nope. I have no uh, desire to. When I was on tour with my band, Isn't that tornadoes and stuff. Yes, yes, definitely. I, uh, I, we drove through Oklahoma City, and outside of Oklahoma City is Norman, which is a sleepy little prairie, you know, college town, and it's it's a cool strip, just very long of all like bars and stuff, music venues, very cool, um, great university, um, but there's not much else to do in Oklahoma, right? Sports, definitely. The probably the primary thing that people do there, for sure. Well, and like honestly, Oklahoma's in it. Oklahoma football is so interesting because like they're low key like a really swaggy program. Like there's a lot of swag in Oklahoma football. Like you go back into the '80s when like Brian Bosworth was there, they were straight up just wrecking dudes. Like they really embodied that whole like we're Oklahoma, we're gonna just gonna kick the shit at you, right? They were like Miami before Miami was Miami. Like it, it's it's that early two thousand yeah like they just they just attitude. had this like man we're just we're gonna dominate you like kind of an attitude and they're just consistently good they always get dudes which is remarkable because it's like there really is nothing in Oklahoma worth going towards like if I was a college student I'd be like why why the hell would I go out there but they win Watch they win consistently there you go <laughs> yeah there's uh there's a cool logo with the finger pointing up there's only one Oklahoma right. Um, for their, I don't know, for their football team, the Sooners. Um, their their uniforms are clean. The OU oh. and it says Sooners on the chest. Like it's it's clean. It's it simple. Looks... Same thing with Alabama. Like it's just the the simpler the uniform, it just has the history. Mm-hmm. It just just don't change it. It yeah. ain't broke. Don't fix it. And if you're talking about like getting butts and seats, Oklahoma's a great place to do it. Right? Not only are sports the thing that people go do. But they're also the thing that people go watch, right? Well, and they also have their own share of, like, incredible rivalries. Oklahoma, Texas. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I mean, there's some good good stuff. I'd love to get out to, like, an Oklahoma-Texas game at some point just to see what that's like. Yeah, and in modern history, they've been, you know, ranked top 10. Oh, yeah. They got Heisman, right? Jalen Hurts, like, all those The entire, things, yeah. like, last decade almost. They're good. That's a good program. Good program. They probably make a shit ton of money, too. They do. Yeah. <laughs> They're rounding out my what, Jared, team. Jared Judy, right? Yeah, Jared. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably most popular Oklahoma Sooner in the NFL right now. I mean, up and rising, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's going to be great having Russell Wilson as a quarterback. Shit. All right, Ben, finish this out. What's your basketball team? If you want to say value pick, like this is the most valued pick in the whole draft, going the last pick. Damn, people are scratching their heads, their their stomachs, their balls. They're, they're just, everyone's just confused. How did this team 
go all the way till the last pick. You know I'm talking about Duke. Yeah, I knew you were going to You know I'm talking about the Blue Devils. Like, for the last pick, holy shit, what a last pick. Five national championships, all under Coach Krzyzewski. Now, if you're drafting the program, you're drafting the coaches that go with the program. Dylan got Wooden, and Wooden is iconic. Krzyzewski is the modern-day Wooden. Wooden was winning championships when there wasn't as much competition. Krzyzewski mm-hmm. is winning championships when basketball is at its peak. This dude has coached at Duke for 47 years. Holy shit. 47 years. He is the greatest basketball coach of all time, which I think translates to Duke being one of the greatest basketball programs of all time. 1,202 wins. 1,202 wins as a coach. That's insane. 368 losses. A winning percentage of 76%. That's ridiculous for 47 years. This dude, like, Duke has gone, has made the Final Four 16 times. They've made the finals of the NCAA tournament 12 times, all under Coach Krzyzewski. That's insanity. This program is top-notch in large part because of the coaching. But they generated $33.4 million in revenue his last season, which is one of the highest basketball earners in the nation. They have, one, like we mentioned the Tar Heels earlier, they're a part of one of the most storied rivalries in all of sports, both professional and collegiate. The Tar Heels versus the Blue Devils. Like that. Yeah, and the rivalry is like, I think like 51 wins to like 49 or something like that. It's just a great rivalry. It's cutthroat. It's it's a rivalry that warrants the hype. Oh, Duke, UNC is Michigan, Ohio State. Look up uh, like Yankees, Yankees, Red Red Sox. Sox. But what is the actual percentage of wins between the two? I bet you it's not as close as the Tar Heels and the Blue Devils. I'll look up the Michigan, Ohio State one. The Blue Devils... Both, and they also expand outside of North Carolina. You can go across the country and find Duke fans who never went to Duke. Oh, oh here you go. The Michigan, Ohio State. Michigan's up 59-51, and they've got six ties. So similar kind of a thing. Yeah, that's a, that's a great, great rivalry right oh, yeah. there. But Duke's men's basketball team, and it's the same. I think that you could mirror them with the Tar Heels and it would be pretty fair. Mm-hmm. Even on a year where they're projected to be like, okay, they're going to be good, they'll be in the top 10, but they're not going to make noise when it matters. Yeah. Oh, wait, they do they make, make noise a run. when it matters. If they're, I feel like they're always, the lowest they're ever ranked is like a five seed. Exactly. And then they're like, oh, here comes Duke. Krzyzewski's working his magic because they still have five-star dudes. Kyrie was a Duke. Blue exactly. Devil, like, They've got guys. I mean, and they've got bangers going all the way back. I mean, uh, Leitner. Leitner, yeah, yeah. dude. That shot again against Kentucky. <laughs> he might be one of the most famous basketball, like college basketball oh, players yeah. because of his affiliation with Duke. Yeah. Like, he could have played anywhere else, and he wouldn't have gotten what he got. That was Duke before Duke was Duke. Yeah. Yep. Uh, who's right in between? He played for the Cl- like, God, he played for the Clippers. He played for Orlando. Um, oh, uh, J.J. Redick? J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick. Duke boy. Yep. They always did the thing where they, they slapped the floor. Yeah. That was like a, that's like a Duke point guard thing. He has to be a white Duke point guard. He's got to slap the floor because he's like, we're on defense. Yeah, so if the Tar Heels are up there and if UCLA's up there, well, Duke's up there for the same reasons as both of those schools. National recognition, national title prominence, uh, consistency getting into the NCAA. 
pardon me because I did have a pretty cool stat here. Um, but while you find that, I mean, they're white jerseys with the blue Duke on it. I mean, I mean they're so clean. Shit, I mean, so clean. I yeah. I keep well, saying the, it, you get the Cameron yeah. crazies, the the whole camping, like the whole like the aura behind Duke basketball. Like the kids camp out there for an entire week just to get tickets to go to a game. Like it, it, it's just fun. That's crazy. So yeah. think about this. This is this is crazy. Since 1984, Duke has only missed, and they've only missed the NCAA tournament one time. Wow. Oof. One time they didn't make it. That's it. And Shashevsky's been there since 80. Damn. Well, and you know, like Coach K is something when he is the men's national coach. Like he. <laughs> He's the one responsible for us coming back into prominence in like the 2000s as like an Olympic basketball team. Dude, one of his like one of my favorite NBA player of all time, Kobe Bryant, loved Mike Shashevsky. Those two were tight. Shashevsky's got I couldn't I haven't pulled any up, and I'm not going to waste your time pulling them up. But he's got some amazing quotes and the inverse, Kobe to Shashevsky. Those two guys loved each other, and so. I take that as a high mark of the type of coach that Shashevsky is. Like, if he can get a player like Kobe Bryant, who is Michael Jordan Volume 2, to really buy in, you know his shit is bulletproof. Oh, yeah. I, I, I didn't even bring that up because it's not relevant to Duke, but Shashevsky is so amazing. Like, yeah, Olympic medals, mm-hmm. uh, conf- or national, or uh, national in the sense of, like, country origin, national championships. Oh, yeah. Just unrivaled. He is the GOAT, which makes the program the GOAT. Since 1938, nearly 2,000 wins on just under 700 losses. Like, this this is a top-notch program. Uh, well, and I'm very proud of us. I think, look at our basketball and our football picks. I think we picked the top four in each of those. We had to. Yeah. I mean, Bama, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Done. That's good for football. And then basketball-wise, we've got Duke, Kentucky, UCLA, in UNC. So I'm looking at the other teams that went, because Kentucky went and North Carolina went before Duke, obviously. Duke's coming later, but stats to kind of build your guys up, but keeping comparison, um, Kentucky has sent 100 players into the NBA as top picks. They're number one. North Carolina has 75 picks in the top and like in the top echelon of NBA drafts, and the greatest of all time. <laughs> yeah, even though he only won one national championship with them his first Which year, is wild. Yeah, yeah. Duke actually has more than North Carolina with seventy-eight, so they have the second most NBA recruits in that top class behind Kentucky. It, the fact that Duke went last is crazy to me. I thought that would have been the number two basketball program but hey i'm not i'm not complaining i think that's a swoop of a pick for your boy yeah okay yep i can tell <laughs> no, one else has, no one else has anything else yeah. to say on uh duke so you know that's gonna send us in make 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 their case be logical and clear. We appreciate you sticking with us through a nearly two-hour draft. We're going to make our cases and then get you out of here. Chase, you had the wraparound, which means you have to make your case first. Are you ready to, to do it? 
I am ready. All right. All right. So with my fourth pick, I went with the Notre Dame football team. Uh, you know, twelve national championships. Pretty pretty freaking solid when it comes to football teams. Ranked third overall. Um, and just an absolutely iconic jersey. And I, I wouldn't want my football team wearing anything else than gold helmets and blue uniforms. Um, my third pick was the UCLA softball team. Uh, I mean, they have the most national championships out of any women's softball team in the United States with 12 national championships and Arizona with eight, falling closely behind. Um, but yeah, like we were talking about, softball creates just a great environment. And I would love to have a dominant softball team at my university um, with my second pick, UNC men's basketball team. Again, very iconic with their uniforms, the light blue with the white, just very clean. And, of course, as you know, Michael Jordan went there and has, you know, increased their legacy beyond probably what they expected because now their colors are featured on plenty of pairs of Jordans and is a highly sought-after colorway when it comes to those sneakers. Um, and yeah, a great rivalry between UNC and Duke when it comes to men's basketball, probably the best rivalry in all of U.S. men's basketball. And then my first pick, Oregon track and field. I mean, we talked about it, Hayward Magic, great facility. Uh, as Ben was mentioning, just tons of world records. And yeah, that's my team. That 90 seconds flies, right? Oh, dude, it whizzes. It whizzes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'd, I you I think you don't realize how much time you spend on your first one. Yes. Yeah. I think that's that's the killer. It is. Dude, I've and I've realized like listening, a lot of a lot of time is wasted when you recap all four of your picks. Yep. And then you go back and then start explaining. Yes. But you use like thirty seconds recapping four and then you <sighs> bounce it back. Whereas what Chase just did where he's like, My fourth pick is this explanation. Three explanation. You actually save time doing that instead of being like, I picked this, 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 and this. Well, that's Here's why strategy. I did this. I know, dude. Like, I just kind of read that. I was like, dang, he kind of gave himself a little more time. But it also just improves the quality of the podcast. So there you go. Oh, qual- there you go. Hey, this listeners. Guy. Oh, this guy coming like in is, is thinking about you and your listening experience. There we go. Matt, you're up. You ready? Let's do it. All right. Recap my team real quick here. I got <laughs> UConn women's. Basketball, I got Kentucky men's basketball, Michigan hockey, and Ohio State football. Let's start off here with UConn women's basketball. 11 national titles, including a two, a back-to-back, a three-peat, and a four-peat. I mean, this is the gold standard of women, women's collegiate basketball. Churning out numerous pros, including our girl Sue Bird. She's the GOAT. Next up, we got Kentucky basketball. I mean, the eight national titles, you've got countless, countless NBA players selected from Kentucky. You just have a the highest winning percentage of any collegiate program in all of men's basketball. Uh, next up, Michigan hockey, the gold standard of hockey across all NCAA programs, nine national titles, over 150 NHL pros, and 21 straight NCAA tournament appearances. You're talking about excellence past to present, including in the 2021 NHL draft. Four of the first five draft picks were from the University of Michigan. And last but not least, Ohio State in the fourth round. I mean, come on now. Eight national titles, seven Heisman winners. The greatest rivalry in all of college football between Ohio State and Michigan. These guys, I mean, just the tradition, the excellence, the winningness. Ohio State is in it from beginning to end every single year. They're always ranked in the top five. Best recruiting classes in the nation. I mean, I think I got it all here, folks. I got football, basketball, women's basketball, and hockey. I got a differentiation. All my programs are making money. My college is going to be top notch. And you know what? I'm in a good spot right now, so I'm going to see you the rest of my time. Because I would vote for me, and I think you should too. 
The words per minute on that, ladies and gentlemen. Holy shit. Yeah. Got it all in. I was laughing in the background because right after we talked about You didn't think I could do it. Matt's like, eh, fuck it. Yeah, like, and, he's yeah. still, and he's still like murdering. Hold my beer, y'all. Yep. I'm ready. Trying to change ready. the game? Now nah, I'm going old school. Dylan, you're ready? I'm ready. All right. My fourth pick. Univer- and this should have gone first probably. University of Oklahoma at Norman football. Oh, my God. They have more wins. You're fucking high. Get no, out of here. Hold on. The, uh, they have more wins than any other college team since 1946. Um, they rake in $51 million in profit, uh, getting a bank, uh, spanking bang brand new uh, stadium. Um, and then UNC women's soccer, best women's soccer in the nation. Um Absolutely amazing team. Uh, making a lot of money for soccer. $834,000, roughly. Uh, still losing money. But, I mean, the team has won 23 of the 27 Atlantic Coast Conference Championships. I mean, that's pretty good. Then Stanford Swimming and Divey, Katie Ledecky. Just going to say Katie Ledecky. And finally, UCLA Men's Basketball. Dude, with John Wooden. Um, guy won. He coached. 620 winning games uh, and coached from 1948 to 1975, uh, creating a legacy in basketball and probably transforming the sport, actually. Um, produced Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I, Y'all, I think I've got a pretty good team here. So, listen, I'd vote for me, and I think you should, too. Nicely done. Oh! See, and last time we potted... I was like, I'm done trying I'm to take this line. Again. I'm yeah. done. I said that I'm not fucking saying that. I'm not wasting my time saying I should vote for me and you should too. Like, no, we have fallen victim to that. We nope. have sacrificed precious seconds of our make our case time trying to replicate this line that Dylan so eloquently first dropped <laughs> months and months ago. The people's champ. And Matt continues to fall into the trap. And I'll let him. <laughs> Because then he's got to say many, many more words per minute than the rest of us. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I'm not doing that shit. It's not happening. Am I ready to make my case? Are you ready? Oh. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I'm ready. The fact that it's a fourth-round pick, Duke basketball, easily up there in the top three basketball programs all time. It is part of, I would say, one of the most storied rivalries of all time. It has who I would say is the greatest basketball coach of all time. Sorry, John Wooden, but Wooden, you were doing shit when it wasn't popping. Krzyzewski is popping. Five championships, 16 appearances, 12 of which are under that coach Krzyzewski. Duke is unmatched. They make over $35 million per season. They are GOAT status. Arkansas, and I'll just a little tangential here. What makes programs? What brings in money? Championships. This team has the most championships. Overall, Arkansas, as a track team, has more championships than any other track program. They are the best for their athletes. That is the school you want to go to. If you want history, Hayward Field, sure. But Arkansas is going to bring championships. It's going to get you rings. Syracuse lacrosse. There is no lacrosse program in the nation that is as dominant as Syracuse. Sure, John Hopkins is behind it, and John Hopkins might make a little more revenue, but Syracuse brings out the championships. They pay a little bit more to give their athletes a better experience, and they win because of it. And then finally, Alabama football. Unmatched, 18 championships. 
And it's not just under one coach, Bear Bryant. You got Nick Saban, too. Two legendary coaches who are contributing to over 33 or 73% win percentage. This team is stacked. You want championships, you vote for this team. Nice. Yes, sir. Very yes, well done. Wonderful. Oh, yeah. That oh, yeah. is the drift, baby. That's the drift. Which means it's time to wrap it up. That is going to do it, y'all. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. That's right. Thank you so much for being with us today. Don't forget, you can let us know who you thought won by submitting your vote to Instagram. Search and follow Mount Draftborn. Yeah, if you have any questions, suggestions, comments, maybe some original music you would like played during and after the show, you can always send us emails to mountdraftmore.gmail.com. That's M-T, M-T draftmore at gmail.com as always thank you for listening it blows us away that you take the time out of your day to listen like we genuinely appreciate it seriously thank you especially today over two hours in and you're here listening god damn you're awesome if you listen on apple Podcasts, please leave us a review that's right and preferably actually only fuck that only five stars and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on please we got it all we're talking apple google podcast spotify podbean pandora app amazon music audible iHeartRadio, radio even alexa that's right we've got you covered check us out that'll do it for us here on mount draftmore we'll see you here back next week until then please 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 be safe peace <laughs>